0: On this episode of That One Movie Podcast, we are going to discuss and review Killers of the Flower Moon. Martin Scorsese's film is finally here. We're going to start off spoiler-free. We'll warn you before we dive into our spoiler-filled discussion beforehand, though, Holden. We are also going to take a look at the Loki episode Loki season 2 Episode 3 which that one's titled 1893 some world's fair shenanigans going on there And we will also discuss the sixth episode of Gen V titled Jumanji, so short titles this week for the yeah, for the uh, easy to remember yeah that's nice uh we're also going to talk this week's news in the world of entertainment including what's our are some of our stories this week olden
1: uh so we'll be covering a couple new trailers for napoleon and saltburn uh we're also going to talk about how deadpool 3 might be getting delayed and uh gen v has some good news jimmy uh, Ooh, some
0: good news for gen v all right well then Buckle up. All right. As always, use the time codes down in the description to jump to whatever review or topic that we discuss that you are most interested in. Although, if you just want to hang out for the whole ride, you can do that as well. Yeah. In the meantime, I'm Jimmy youthy I'm Holden Sutter. And it's time for Tom. 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 Do, 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 That
1: One Movie Podcast. Eh. <laughs> Tom. Jimmy, before we talk Killers of the Flower Moon, we got to do Toms. Let's do the Toms. The Toms! The Toms! The Toms! The Toms! The Toms! Toms Toms. Toms is the rapid-fire segment in which we read the news in the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three famous Toms, Brokaw, Bombadil, Mm -hmm. and Bergeron. Broke the highest, Bombadil's the lowest, and Bergeron is somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it.
0: I think that was the best one so
1: far on it's my end. Good. You, I stumbled up. a little bit, but it wasn't too. Probably overall, it was the best. There's some say. ASMR for our audio yeah, only for our, for our listeners. Faces we hold up now. Yes, very nice,
0: black and white. One day we'll be able to afford color yeah, faces. Color
1: ink is very expensive. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, Jimmy. So we'll start off with trailers. Let's talk about the new trailer for the new Napoleon movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Directed by Ridley Scott, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Jimmy, you're a history nut. Is this this itching something for you?
0: Oh, yeah. You know, seeing Marie Antoinette about to be decapitated via the guillotine, or as some people say, guillotine. Does anyone
1: Uh, say guillotine? I've heard it before. The guillotine. I've always heard guillotine. It's
0: guillotine, yeah. I don't know. You sound bad if you don't say that <laughs> um, unless I'm pretty sure it's guillotine that that, that's the way I've right.
1: always heard it so I don't maybe a little guillotine. quick
0: the quick google search would fix that yeah, but right uh now. yeah no that's scratching my itch I, I like the uh the whole idea of the ice the frozen lake trap
1: they've discovered us guillotine there guillotine, we go
0: Guillotine. there it is um don't say guillotine folks <laughs> or guillotine uh, the frozen lake trap thing that, that was discovered really cool. us. He's like, good. Wish they would have saved that for the movie, yeah. honestly, because that would have been an epic moment. But uh, maybe there's just plenty of epic moments as well. Mm-hmm. Vanessa Kirby just spreads her legs and Joaquin Phoenix just takes the candor. That's just <laughs> in the trailer. Interesting. Yeah. Um. If I remember correctly, and I haven't studied Napoleon for like five years now, so... He's very very interesting but I it's not fresh in my mind which I'm kind of excited about for seeing this movie but I believe his his wife does play a pretty important like role in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh this the scenery like grabs the uh crown and puts it on his head that's very significant cuz like the pope is supposed to like crown him and him doing that basically says I'm above everyone, including Pope and the God, essentially. (laughs) Like I, I do not submit to anyone.
1: That's interesting. I I didn't realize like everyone seems so (gasps) like Yeah, (gasps) in that scene. I didn't understand that, but cool.
0: Uh,
1: yeah. So I
0: think a very good, still very excited for this. Can't wait for Thanksgiving. I'm going broke off for me, Holden.
1: Yeah, I think it looks great. I mean, as someone who doesn't, I mean, knows some of the basics about Napoleon, but not anything in detail. I think this will be very interesting to watch. Um, it'll be very fun to listen to Jimmy talk about how certain things are wrong.
0: <laughs> and <what> actually, actually happened? <laughs>
1: um, well, it's been such a long
0: time since we got a historical epic from Apple TV.
1: That's so. This is
0: true. Oh, that's right. This is Apple TV as well. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, we'll see. I mean, Killers of the Flower Moon. Obviously, we'll dive into that review. They got this one coming out. Uh, pretty excited for what is what Apple is churning out as yeah. the most valuable company in history.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'll give it a broka as well.
0: Apple is bound to buy Disney, right?
1: Like I, that. That seems
0: just like well, if like legally, if they can do it, that seems like just something that would make sense. I've
1: seen some like pretty projections that people think that's going to happen in like the next decade or something it
0: just makes sense like yeah. not from an <laughs> like from an antitrust law no yeah. but from like those companies and apple's ideals seems i are like just. i wonder i
1: wonder if they could legally do it i mean i know money gets shoved around behind the scenes all the time and whatever but i that's that's really big if that were to it's happen it's insane how valuable apple is yeah like disney seems like it should be the most
0: valuable thing on the face of the earth and it like, is not even close to Apple. No. Just
1: trillions of dollars. because those phones are so expensive. Those gosh darn phones, Holden. <laughs> yeah.
0: I got the 13 <laughs> Pro Max. I need the new one.
1: I also have the... Thir- well, I have the 13 Max, but... Or 13 Pro. Not 13, Max. Yeah. Good, yeah. yeah. Whatever. I've got <laughs> one of them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you need the new one, Holden. It's made I out of titanium. You,
1: oh, my gosh. Yeah. I saw that trailer before Killers the Flower Moon. Yeah. Well, this is really
0: just... They made like their MacBook Pros, not even, it was like MacBook or PowerBook G4 or something. It was before it was the MacBook Pro. They used titanium back then. This was like 2003 or 4 or something. So they're just going back to what they used to do? They're just going back. Like they're like, <laughs> Steve well, Jobs is like, it's incredible. Titanium's incredible. It's it's lighter than aluminum, yet stronger than steel. And they literally like said that same exact thing when they brought out the new iPhone. I'm like, you guys wow. are doing stuff from 20 years what ago. What a bunch of hacks. Yeah. Apple. What <laughs> Apple. do you guys know? You multi-trillion dollar, very su-
1: successful company. If you guys want to sponsor us, we'll take it. Yeah. We're brought to you by Apple. <laughs> yeah. um, but then the other trailer we have today is for Saltburn. The new Emerald Fennel uh, movie, Jimmy. What do you think?
0: Of course, Emerald Fennel of promising young woman yes. fame. That's her only movie, right? Yeah, now.
1: She, she's an actor, and she's been in other things, and she may have written other movies too. I can't remember, but yeah, only only one other direct directed movie. Yeah, which is
0: terrific. Mm-hmm. If you have very not good. seen it, you need to watch it. It it only my appreciation for that movie only grows, and I would like to watch it again. That's very good. Uh, I really like this trailer much more than the first one. This one connected me with me, and I'm like, I don't know what's happening in this movie, but I want to see this, and it looks gorgeous. Weird. I want to be along for the ride. It's a big swing. I don't know if it's going to land, but I'll I just, see. I am very curious. This trailer worked really well for me, much, much better than the first. Um, so I'm excited for this. I'm definitely going. Uh, broke out here. I think this is one of the better trailers I've seen in a while, actually. Really? Okay. Yeah, I would say so. I, I went from kind of moderately interested in this movie just because it's Emerald Fennel mm-hmm. uh, to, like, I am very intrigued.
1: Yeah, it's, I I, I mean, the cinematography is fantastic. It, it I mean, with the setting being this weird a state in England somewhere. It, it's very Gothic looking, uh, a lot of very neon colors for the nighttime scenes, a yeah, Gothic neon. Yeah. Which is, very yeah. bizarre contrast there. Um, but great actors in it. Barry Keegan is, he's, he's always a good weird little man. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I hope he's a good weird little man in this movie. Um, uh, Jacob Alordi who's going to be in the El- new Elvis thing as well, yeah. as well as euphoria, but Priscilla, Priscilla, um, yeah, it looks great. Uh, I'm giving it a broca and uh,
0: and the Archie Medeque or whatever the Gran Turismo guys in it,
1: yeah, which you pointed out. I, I hadn't noticed that, which but that's I cool. did not realize he was in midsummer as
0: well, yeah, yeah. Again, broca's for the both of us, bro-ka. nice trailers are done for this week. What's the next piece of news,
1: yeah? So, uh, Deadpool 3. Is reportedly being being delayed. It's not been officially confirmed by Disney or like in an announcement or anything. Uh, but Deadpool three uh, hasn't uh, finished principal photography, and with the actor strike, it seems like it'll be near impossible to make that May release date at this point. Yeah,
0: right. holy smokes! It's supposed to be next May.
1: Yeah, yeah, the one Marvel movie people are actually excited about, and it's just probably. I mean, at the very depending on when that actor strike gets done, earliest would be end of next year, I would think.
0: Yeah, well, they're not going to, and they're certainly not going to push this out no. without the promotional, just machine of Hugh Jackman, Ryan
1: Reynolds. and Ryan. And yeah, they've probably got so it. much planned for for uh, promotion for that. Um, but a lot, I was, I was seeing that unofficially it looks like, uh, Captain America, Brave New World may take its spot since apparently that's like completely finished filming everything. (laughs) So yeah, get the, the Falcon Captain America movie out instead. Excited for that. Boy, I could wait. (laughs) I could wait for that one.
0: Um, look, delays, not fun. You know, wish it came out when it was supposed to, but. I would rather have them make the movie the way it's supposed to be made, have the press tour it's supposed to be. Uh, at this point in my life, I'm I can withstand delays. We're just so used to it now. Yeah, very very common. That I guess uh, Bergeron not a disappointment, but I, I'm glad they're taking their time. Yeah, to get it out and do it right. Hopefully, because I have confidence in this movie actually being good.
1: Yeah, even though it is directed by the free guy director, um, I'm I'm hopeful. So. Bergeron. free guy was more of a script thing for me. This I, is think, true. A direction. I don't, I, yeah. And I, I don't know where, who the writer for that was exactly, but, um, yeah. Uh, but next piece of news, Jimmy, uh, Gen V renewed for season two. Nice. Very exciting. i not that big of a surprise because it seems to be a pretty big hit for Amazon and everything. Uh, apparently the, the way that this has been described is that in, in, is that Gen V is going to be kind of leading into boys season four and that will lead into like the second season of Gen V.
0: Okay, yeah. I mean, makes sense. Uh, there are certain developments over the last couple episodes that we'll talk about that seems like, oh, yeah, this could definitely be kind of
1: important for play the boys. A, play
0: a role in the boys. Um, so interesting if that is like you need to watch this show in order to understand the next one or, or maybe like a Book of Boba Fett situation where it's like you're going to be missing pretty key pieces if you don't at least check out the, or if you don't know yeah. these elements from the show, maybe to not that big of an extent. But, yeah, no. Um, originally, I thought this was going to be a miniseries. So, I don't know. I As long as this season is kind of like self-contained and could work as its own story, mm-hmm. and now they have an idea for where to go with it season two, I obviously really have really enjoyed the show so far, and I enjoy the characters. So, uh, I would be excited to see more, assuming that, it, that there's a story to be Told, yeah. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, and I'll give them a bro-ca. I've been handing out brocades like nobody's business yeah, today, like Hold candy.
1: On. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I think Gen V has a lot of potential. I mean, we talked about, I think last week how, I mean, you can easily just do like a season per school year or whatever. Like there could be different adventures or, or like investigations they have to go through. And the school, I feel like they're they're really only scratching the surface of wit- of it in the best way possible. There's a lot of things you can do with it. There's obviously so many different people that go to the school that you can introduce as new characters with unique powers. I think there's a lot for them to do. So um, give them a broke
0: That's true. It doesn't even need to be the same characters. I suppose it could be just a whole new group.
1: Yeah. Not not everyone needs to be like part of the uh, main cast again. Yeah. Interesting. If they don't have a need. So. Although. Yeah, I'm not sure how much
0: involved it would be at the school after this season. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We shall see. Once that show wraps up, we'll have more ideas there. So that would be fun to talk about in a couple weeks when
1: the uh, season finale airs. Yes, I agree. All right, next story on the docket, Holden. Uh, Next story on the docket, I have uh, The Boy and the Heron, the new uh, Studio Ghibli uh, Hayao Miyazaki movie, uh, announced the English dub cast, which normally I'm not sure I would make mention of, but it's very star-studded. Um, we got Robert Pattinson, Mark Hamill, Christian Bale, Dave Batista, Gemma Chan, Karen Fukuhara of the it's boys, the, yeah, the boys, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Florence Pugh, and Willem Dafoe, among others. Wow! So and you got two Batman's, cast. a Joker,
0: <laughs> a, a, green a Green Goblin, goblin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a Drax, a Drax. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's I don't know. It seems that's a, that's a very good cast. I yeah, like no, I,
0: I like a lot of those people. Yeah. So awesome. That's cool. That makes me more excited for this movie. Why not give it another Brokaw? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Got to give makeup for my all my
1: Debbie downness last week. From last week. Yeah. It's um. I mean, Ghibli or Ghibli, however you say it. Their their movies, their English casts have always been quite solid and have had quite a few notable actors. Christian Bale was Howl in Howl's yeah. Moving Castle. So, yeah, a lot of them are returning. I think Mark Hamill was the villain in Castle in the Sky. But yeah. Great cast.
0: Why don't you come over here, you boy and your heron?
1: <laughs> I think it was like, it, it sounded it, like that movie came out. I, don't, I guess I don't know if the dub came out before he was Joker, but the movie definitely did. And it definitely sounds oh, a little little from bit like, like the 90s. It's from like the 80s. Oh, 80s. Yeah. So I, it definitely kind of sounds like Joker, what he's doing <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> um, but then Jimmy, uh, The Office is apparently, getting a yeah, reboot. Yeah, this was
0: a, a thing last week. I don't know yeah. anything
1: about this, but uh. there's not a whole lot known at this point in, in terms of details. Uh, the show creator, uh, all we know is like the original show's creator, Greg Daniels, is going to be developing it. Um, like a lot of people are theorizing what it could be. Details aren't known about if it's going to be like all new characters, if it's going to be new takes on old characters, or what. What do you think about this, Jimmy? Uh, Well, my
0: instinct is to go Bombadil and why. Mm hmm. Why do this? Um, I don't know. I I mean the only way. Why well, call it the Office? You know, like you did Parks and Rec. Yeah, that's the same team. It was similar. stylistically, you know, visually similar, but it had a. S- it, 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 but it, would, it differentiated itself enough. It was more of mm-hmm. a lighthearted version, kind of slapstick, faster, quippier version of the Office, and less situational humor, more like just. Like witty mm-hmm. off the cuff humor, um, where it's, it's, there's drama in it, but the focus is more putting these funny people in funny situations rather than like ordinary people well, in funny situations. Well, not to mention it's like, situations.
1: it's a totally different setting and with way, like, more satire. Yeah. Way more satire. And way, it just, it's because it's this different setting and it, like way more, like, different things you can do with it, satirize yeah. and make fun of. So, um, Yeah, just going back to, like, a normal office space is, I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, you know, benefit of the doubt with, like, working from home and stuff, I feel like there's, you know, modern workplace developments, there's probably things you can do. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But I don't know. I don't know if there's enough to justify a new series. And, like, I don't know. I just... Just don't call it the office. Yeah. I call would say else. I would <laughs> make new characters.
0: <laughs> do something. you can do something in that realm in that style. You're without set- calling it the office. I think you're just setting yourself up for like
1: disappointment at least from fans probably because it's probably not going to be the exact same thing and a lot of fans are just going to want the same thing and so those fans are going to be disappointed and but then again maybe this is how people felt when they made the
0: u.s office after the uk office it's like why and they were able to you know find their footing and and make it their own thing after a while it just seems like a lot of that is so iconic both the UK version and the US version that mm-hmm. where you know there's already two versions of the show yeah do you really need a third what are you gonna do like a New Zealand version you know like <laughs> what like, what what is there to
1: do next I was getting the impression it is just like another American version but yeah it's yeah still strange um it's kind of it kind of reminds me of like the
0: Harry Potter show. Yeah, like,
1: similar. Like because those why? ended around the same time too. So it's yeah, been, it's been like a similar gap in time. Like,
0: do we really want or need this? I think the Harry Potter one actually makes more sense since it was a movie series to a TV series.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, even though I, I still don't think it's necessary. I still don't think it's necessary or yeah, yeah, But it does make idea. a l- slight bit more sense than just making another TV show of this TV show that ended 10 years ago.
0: Yeah. With uh, a
1: lot of iconic
0: actors and roles and
1: stuff. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I, I really don't know. I mean, I guess for me, it's probably a Bombadil overall because, like, I just don't think. Even though I kind of, even though the benefit of the doubt, I gave it with some like new ideas. I just am not convinced that's going to justify a new series. Who wants and this? Though? I mean, like I people don't... love The Office, and they just rewatch The Office. Yeah, and like people that love The Office that would want more Office would want more of the same. Characters, the same characters. They would want like a reunion yeah. show. Yeah, they'd want one of those yeah reunion shows that a bunch of you know channels or a bunch of shows have been doing. But what do you think? The <laughs> they all have that like. Subtitle, you know, like Dexter New
0: Blood oh, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> what
1: do you think the office one would be? The, the office o- work at um, home. <laughs> the work office, from home. Uh the office restapled. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I I feel like and I I mean, this is a slight tangent. I also just don't I I don't think a, a continuation of that show is likely to happen, probably ever. I feel like too many of those actors just
0: don't are, really are done. Care. Yeah, they're done. They're like the next chapter of life. Yeah. John Krasinski's making movies
1: now. Yeah, John Krasinski's making movies. Steve Carell's doing his thing. Yeah. Rain Wilson would probably do it. Yeah, he might.
0: So he probably I don't it. know. Weird, I guess Bombadil because why?
1: That's right. hold at. it up, Jimmy. I already did earlier, oh, so didn't. I'll do it uh, again. Okay. Bombadil, Bombadil because why? <laughs> <laughs> uh and then the final piece I have is is uh, for the new Alien uh, film coming out next year, directed by Fede Alvarez, who did the 2013 Evil Dead, and I think also did that Don't Breathe movie, Um, coming out in August, but uh, apparently Ridley Scott watched it and said it was effing great. Uh, The main reason I bring this up is because uh, Ridley Scott is notoriously hard on movies that involve something that's close to him, and he, he heavily criticized Blade Runner 2049 and Top Gun Maverick, which I talked to you, his brother directed the original Top Gun. I didn't realize that. Tony Scott is Ridley Scott's brother. But Well, yeah, so those movies are good. Yeah, <laughs> those so. are good movies.
0: <laughs> so it's like criticize them. And they're like, if he has this track record, of, I criticize the movies that are associated with me that are bad. And yeah. I praise the ones that are good. I'd feel more confident about this. I don't have a huge association with the Alien franchise. I think I've only seen the first two. Mm. So I haven't really seen the the controversial ones, um, <laughs> so I guess this is only a good side sign for this movie that I didn't know was coming out. Fair so, enough. Broca? <laughs> um yeah. Said, it, it, did he say anything nice about
1: any of the other ones? Like
0: two, three, Covenant, Prometheus.
1: Well, he directed Prometheus and Covenant. Oh, he did. Yeah, which that that's one of my things. I'm thinking like he directed like. I think people are coming around on Prometheus a bit more like it's still kind of iffy, but most people I feel like don't like Alien Covenant that much. And so I don't know. He's like he's directed some iffy alien movies already. Um, But yeah, yeah, I think he I don't know how he feels about aliens or the other ones. I just want to see a Xenomorph just just duking it out with
0: Napoleon.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) Um, I am not afraid of you, alien. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'll give it a. I'll give it a Bergeron. He puts probably. an alien in
0: the guillotine. <laughs> the in like the, its little. Its oh yeah, head it's cuts little, off, but it's got its little
1: mouth, mouth on, you know, tongue thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll give it a Bergeron, I think. Right. But uh, that's it for Tom's this week, Jimmy. So, with that, should we move on to some Tompies? Yeah,
0: quick little Tompies update. We did not do one last week. Um, yeah. But there are some things I think, worthy I think, of note.
1: Yeah, I think we should we should at least mention w- at least one of the things from last week, um, just because it was very notable. Uh, Popeyes, which is very uh, notable for how good their biscuits are. Good old right. Popeyes. We biscuit. love their biscuits. Uh, not sponsored by Bojangles Popeyes. makes a mean biscuit too. Never had Bojangles, so I can't speak to that. But, um, but you know, I'm I'm eating my chicken last week. Very excited. I usually say my biscuit for the end. i just didn't get a
0: biscuit i just did not receive one last week you did ever no never got one
1: really oh okay (laughs) interesting oh wait you know
0: what i got the um, wings and i don't think they come with the biscuit because i normally get the four-piece classic chicken combo and it comes with a biscuit the wings i don't know if it was
1: supposed to but it didn't okay uh but i got a biscuit and it was the worst biscuit I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Not even like just a pop at worst Popeye's biscuit, just like the worst biscuit I've ever had. Well, you, you took first off, I was sitting there the whole time. You hadn't eaten your biscuit yet. Mm-hmm. Here I
0: am biscuitless. Sometimes Holden doesn't eat his biscuit. Yeah. Sometimes I get too full. So, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm kind of hoping that Holden doesn't eat his biscuit today, because <laughs> I kind of missing out on the biscuit. The biscuit sounds great, yeah. so Holden goes and grabs the biscuit to eat it. I'm like, oh shoot, there goes that. I'm not going to get his biscuit. He eats it, and his face goes like, what the heck? Like th- this biscuit tastes weird. I yeah. think is what you said, and I was like, well, here's my chance. Mm-hmm. Might as well just try this thing. Give it a go. I pick up this biscuit and I try the other end, and. At first, I'm greeted by the warm, lucky, <laughs> <warm>, buttery, buttery. <laughs> flavor of the biscuit. And I'm like, hold on, just delusional here. He's just being weird. And then about half a second later, this taste that is just dish soap registers into my brain. And I'm like, oh,
1: oh. I literally spit it. I spit it out. You spit it out. And then I was like, oh, okay, if you're spitting it out, I'm spitting mine out. Because mine it, was still sitting in my mouth. Disgusting. It was bad.
0: Terrible. Good day to not get the biscuit.
1: Yeah. At Popeyes. There was
0: also like this very, I don't know, very like still person. When we got in line, there was like this guy standing by the cash register, like in a lot of layers of clothing, like hood up. So you couldn't really like see them very well. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of awkward because they were like, I don't know if they've ordered yet or if they're waiting here. So I'm like, Excuse me, sir. Have you ordered yet? It's like, oh, yeah, I have. Sorry, I'll get out of your way. And like super polite, but mm-hmm. just like from the back, it's like this person kind of looks really intimidating. <laughs> and there was another person who had like, well, I can't remember if this was the same person, but they had like this bag full of just
1: I might a mess. The same guy.
0: Just it was a mess of Popeye stuff in this bag. And oh, it was, I think it was the same guy because he's like, oh, no, I'm just here to talk to the manager. Mm-hmm. And the manager, comes out and they're like, yeah, we issued the full refund. And this guy was like
1: super polite. Yeah. Just the the most nicest the nicest guy who's ever asked to talk to a manager. Yes. (laughs)
0: Just like the most polite person of all time. Very understanding.
1: And I look down and this guy is also just like barefoot. (laughs) And it was freezing outside. He well he yeah, I don't know what the deal was. He like had ordered some food. Something was wrong with it. uh, And so he was getting a refund. um, But he like his daughter had apparently like ate a biscuit out of it already or something, and so he was like, "Yeah, oh, you know, my daughter ate a biscuit already. So, you know, if you want, if you want to charge me for just the biscuit, you know, that's they're okay." Like, they're oh like, no. are <laughs> <laughs> fine, dude. <laughs> it's, you, you're it's like good. a fifty
0: cent biscuit." Yeah. So they, <laughs> so they let him go, and this guy's like barefoot mm-hmm. and cold outside. And I was like, "Well, that guy seems like a very nice man. Yeah. I hope he has. A, I hope his life is going all right, and he has a good day." Uh, But then, yeah, Soapy Biscuit. This week, not that notable.
1: I didn't risk. They forgot to give me a biscuit at first. Well, they did. They swapped. You got spicy chicken and I got classic, which we usually get the opposite. Yeah. That's probably about the most notable thing. Yeah. And I
0: eventually did get a biscuit. Yeah. and it was good. Yeah, you went up and asked for it.
1: Yeah. But I was I was scared to try the biscuit this week a little bit. Well, yeah. After last week's experience, but it was it was good again. You know, it's always so, worth it. Yeah, it is. All right. That <laughs> is Tom Pies this top week. Eyes. always worth it. Always I'll, worth this discussion.
0: Always worth the discussion. Uh we'll get <laughs> we'll talk to you again uh, next week, perhaps if we have another Tom Pies visit. <laughs> but hold on, it's time to jump into Loki season two, episode three,
1: eighteen ninety-three. All right, Loki, Season 2, Episode 3, titled 1893, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called that because the majority the, of the because episode— Because the
0: show starts in 1868.
1: Yeah, It's true, show. yeah. <laughs> they, they, it starts in 1868, but uh, most of the episode is 1893 at the Chicago World's Fair. Mm-hmm. Which Jimmy knows some about. I don't know a ton, other than there's a big Ferris wheel. It's
0: actually the Colombian World Exposition. Oh my bad. That.
1: All right, <laughs> is what it is. Uh, what do you think of this episode, Jimmy? It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was
0: definitely, I think, the strongest episode of the of the season thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the reason why it's worked so well, um, other than just the fun setting, which we'll dive into here. But it, I think one of the a, a great movie trope, like we talk, people talk about movie tropes kind of in a negative connotation, but there are things that work well. I think that in movie tropes, like for example, like Christopher Nolan, I think this is my favorite Nolan trope, but like towards the climax of a lot of his movies, there are three concurrent storylines. Yeah, yeah. And I think that as a pacing thing it works really well. Um, and I think another trope is a lot of characters competing for the same thing yeah um and and this it's kind of competing over getting um either miss minutes or uh victor timely yeah the kang when, variant, the kang
1: variant. W- which i i think especially in this case it works really well because we're vaguely aware of like what these people can do and like that, like we know you know sylvie gets introduced at some point we know she's can be pretty dangerous mm-hmm. we know ren has miss minutes which is this really you know Basically omniscient AI, and then you have Loki and, and Mobius. So it's yeah, you all have these, these people, three parties interested in the same thing. Yeah, and it's it's just interesting to see how they each go about it. And they're all they're all quite good at it. Yeah. So, so
0: and and then you put that into this kind of fun setting with a lot of mystery and intrigue going on, and it makes for a pretty compelling episode. Um, so it looks like, so we started the episode off. It's 1868. Mm-hmm. Renslayer uh, is basically, finds Miss Minutes, who tells her that he who remains kind of backup plan yeah. is to drop off the TVA guidebook at, um, at this cabin or, or this kind of shack where he who, not he who remains, but Victor Timely, a Kang variant, lives mm-hmm. um which i don't know if that's just a stage name or if that's his actual name
1: yeah i wasn't clear about that um, but, but that could be a weird real name mm-hmm. <laughs> victor, victor timely <laughs> it's probably a stage name um but uh yeah let
0: leaves it there they come back in 1893 to see kind of where he's picked up and i like the idea that he like he's like oh these are really cool inventions that I cannot make with the, the technology <laughs> of my time. So he's just kind of like this hack. He, what does mm-hmm. he call himself? He says he's not a
1: trickster. He's he's a, a luminary or something. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, he's 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 essentially just like <laughs> like scamming people with yeah. these like absurd inventions and like he is like genuinely interested in like what the book presents with the TVA and and time. You know how it's constructed and everything. But yeah, as you said, he just doesn't really have the ability to do it. And so he's just making use of what he's got, Mm -hmm. which is he does know more than the average person about time and stuff, but just not the means of fully executing it. Yeah. Um,
0: I really think there is something going on with Ouroboros. I think there's, there's more to that. Whether it's like Kang stole his thunder and like, mm. like basically ye- all of these things were actually Ouroboros's idea, and Kang just took all of them for himself. That would be interesting, yeah. Um the, well in the end. Even more can- radically, like Ouroboros is some sort of Kang variant. Mm. Um but I do I think there's something
1: more there that yeah. is going to be explored. I could see that, especially when you, I mean, get someone like Kae Hui Kwan for that role, who's like, been fantastic. Yeah, he's always role. he's always very good. I have, and I was going to maybe wait until the end to mention this, but the, there's this theory I saw online that I'm, I'm kind of thinking might be true as well that Renslayer might be a king variant. Renslayer
0: is a king variant. Yeah. Okay, so that was an interesting because yeah, we can kind of talk about that at the end of the episode. Sure. That's an interesting idea. Um I because I it, didn't consider that one. I thought when at the end cuz Miss Minutes is like, "Oh, I have a secret that you're not going to like." Mm-hmm. I thought that perhaps that Miss Minutes and Renslayer are actually the same person. Oh, that could be too. That was that was where my brain went and that um is Rens, yeah, kind of was taken. I don't know. I can't remember exactly what my thought process was, but it was the idea that they were the same because they mm-hmm. were both very obsessed with kind of getting Kang's favor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Loki's obsessed with getting Sylvie's favor too. So yeah. I mean, it could be like their variants. I think that's an interesting theory. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I would something like Renslayer is somebody like, yeah. there's
1: more to it than that. Um one. Yeah. Kind of the, the crux of that theory is that yeah, Renslayer and Renslayer and Kang are going to kind of have a similar relationship to what Loki and Sylvie have. So it's going to be just kind of like a evil or whatever, I guess, version of that. Just like there's going to be parallels there, I think. So I think it would be very interesting if that was the case. Uh, I think that would, explain a lot with with her character but we'll see just, they just uh write out what's his name with Renslayer
0: the actor the Kang actor what's his name
1: oh yeah. uh oh Jonathan made yeah well that yeah, was actually just something write out Jonathan Majors with <laughs> with, with her <laughs>
0: as the Kang variant that wins
1: yeah that was uh um that was something <laughs> else I or that I was uh seeing or people were like well if she, you know she is a variant they could do that <laughs> theoretically but
0: hmm yeah, so that, that's interesting. I like those theories. It is back to
1: fun Loki theory time, Ooh. which is one of my favorite times. It's I was telling you at Popeyes, I I really don't <laughs> at Popeyes, I really don't know where this season is going. Cause like this episode sets up so many things about like miss minutes, having a lot more self awareness than we even had thought previously. Um, and just with like Kang we, variants. Yeah, we get our motivation of wanting like a physical body and being in a
0: relationship with Kang, he yeah. who must, he who remains,
1: he who remains, yeah, whom he who must
0: not be named remains,
1: yeah, and so I don't, I don't know. There's, there's just a lot of things at play here that I don't really know where they're all going, and it's, it's kind of exciting. Um, but
0: let's talk about some of the actual moments in the episode. Now. Yeah, we can talk about just the environment of the world's fair that setting i think they nailed it it looks great it
1: looks really good i I mean i think a lot of it is like actual sets i'm I'm sure you know the you know ferris wheels green screen they and built stuff a real ferris yeah wheel. built a wheel 500, 500 feet but like there's I, it's one of historically the things, accurate by w- the way one of the things this show at least this season has done and i can't remember if season one does it but there's a lot of scenes where it's just the two actors walking through a place for like an extended shot for like a really long time which makes it look like very real because like mm-hmm. they're you know they're not just in a big room with a green screen or whatever like they're walking through streets or whatever they did it in the first episode. I remember when they were walking through like the TVA tunnels, that was like an extended shot there too, but it just makes it all look very real. How much of it is, I don't know, but uh, at least the design of it looks pretty fantastic and and realistic. So, I mean,
0: yeah, from what I know from the the book, devil in the white city and the images and descriptions that include in that, they just, I mean, it it was very authentic to what my knowledge is of it for Mm -hmm. the world's fair. Um, including kind of some of the key locations, uh, of, of course the the Ferris wheel being the main one, and then the other main buildings, the light bulbs, the the White City, kind of other things they talk about. Yeah, really cool. Um, and I think they had a lot of fun with that environment. It felt like um the vaudeville sort of shows in Red Dead Redemption Two oh. when you go to Sandinie, <laughs> which you never did. You ever play that? No, game? you never played that game. Well, you can go and they have all these little performances and stuff and it felt very much like that mm-hmm. um so getting to see victor timely's show was kind of kind of reminded me of that felt and jonathan kind of authentic to yeah that. jonathan majors was definitely chewing the scenery with that yeah he was performance <laughs> um i think he pulls it off pretty well mm-hmm. uh and then i again i like the idea of like They're like, oh my gosh, he's actually done this thing. And no, he actually hasn't. He's just kind of made it look like he's been able to do this thing. And he's a complete, he's not a complete hack, but to these people who's, he's scamming them.
1: Yeah. So, the mechanical pants or whatever the mechanical pants that are supposed to make him taller or something. Yeah. I'll come by next week. (laughs) Um, I'll give you $1,000. Yeah, that's right. He he sells his, his fraud loom invention. Yeah.
0: Reminds me of like a million ways to die in the West, the first rated R movie I saw in the theater. Never seen it, (laughs) Uh, but there's like there's a scene where like a guy like takes out a dollar bill, and this guy this this dad tells his son, "Take your hat off, boy. That there's a dollar bill or something like that. (laughs) Pay your respect, boy." (laughs) Just a random line I remember about that movie that is most likely very bad
1: (laughs) upon rewatching. Yeah, I don't know hardly anything about it. Um. We get the Ferris wheel fight, too. Yeah, Ferris wheel fight, which is pretty good.
0: I, I liked it Before we go there, I like the moment where Loki like put that guy in the cage or whatever outside. I thought oh, that was a yeah. nice little touch. That was good. Just um, makes him disappear. Yeah, uh, you get all these. The
1: wonderful Loki, everybody.
0: The wonderful Loki. He'll be here <laughs> all week. Um, what? There's some other lines in this. And I'm like, something like when they're looking, they're in the loom room where they're all freaking out that the world's going to end. Owen Wilson says something about like, Mobius is like, Oh, we got to locate the clock lady somewhere throughout time or something. (laughs) And I'm like, if you just took this out of context and told me I need to be invested in a show where they're saying this, <laughs> where Owen Wilson is saying this, it's uh, very bizarre, I'd be very, I'd be scratching my head. But it's complete, it completely works.
1: The, the I mean, the whole first part of the episode pa- past the kind of intro section has such good Loki and Mobius banter, which mm-hmm. we we praise all the time. But I, I love Mobius taking the detour through the food, the food kind of district. He's like, oh, you know. I was search everywhere. He's like eating oh, yeah. this whole thing, <laughs> like thing of peanuts or whatever he's eating. The Cracker Jack. Cracker yeah. Jack. That's what it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we had to visit the Cracker Jack stand because it was a high, <laughs> high frequent, traffic, high traffic <laughs> area. It makes sense. <laughs> uh, uh, pretty good stuff. Uh, yeah. Classic Mobius stuff. We were robbed of a scene of them riding the tandem bicycle together. I mean, they hinted at it that mm. they're going to ride it and that it cuts them basically done riding it. There's a cut, there's a good. scene on the cutting room floor that we were robbed <laughs> of, of
1: some tandem bicycle shenanigans. Uh, uh, but then yeah, the Ferris wheel. Um yeah, it's pretty good. It's it's I I think it, Loki does a good job of kind of making Sylvie rethink her kind of brash actions, but also you like kind of get where she's coming from because she like had settled down and then like Loki and Mobius just come and throw her back into everything, and she's like, well. If I have to, I'd you know be back into it, I'm gonna go back to what I was doing, yeah, um
0: I think the t v a is gonna be destroyed Think completely, I, I think by the end of the they dismantled mm-hmm. maybe slowly and, and steadily they'll or they um will it be restructured to ensure the prosperity of the branching timelines, oh yeah, that's um, where, I
1: mean I think that's where it's going,
0: or maybe just destroyed because they're just going to return back to their normal lives and figure it out somehow i think that there's going to be an end to the tva and that's how the show
1: will end Mm -hmm. that would make sense i mean as much as you know a loki season three would be fun if they have the potential for it do you think loki will
0: like sacrifice himself to ensure the free will of the universe? Well, that's at the
1: end of the show. I was thinking about that because like if,
0: you, I f- if you're you going to want to conclude this character at some point. Yeah,
1: right? I, I feel like Loki, I mean, we already have the his essentially his conclusion in the movies. Um, and so I, I feel like it would be weird to bring him back into those at all. And if you end the show at this season, I feel like, yeah, you do. Have that's to right. I character. forgot that he
0: died in Infinity
1: War. Yeah, right. he died in Infinity War. And then this is the version in, that got the Tesseract in Endgame. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could see him sacrificing himself. I feel like that would be a a logical step for the character and probably a good way Tom Hiddleston would want to go out. And then like Mobius is maybe oblivious of it back on
0: Earth. Mm -hmm. And then he sees like some Loki statue on a Norwegian trip where he's riding the jet ski off the shore. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. Oh wow. That, we should look at those it, ancient Mobius Nordic is, ruins. Mobius is <laughs>
1: gonna end up on a jet ski. Oh, at like the, at his last
0: scene is gonna be on a jet ski. If he if there's no Mobius on jet ski action. Yeah. There's there needs to be an action scene on with a jet, jet ski. ski. That'd be good. <laughs> Tandem jet ski action sequence. That'd be good. It, like That's the opening up. of the pacifier. We need some jet
1: ski action sequence. <laughs> I've never seen the pacifier. Well, it opens with the jet ski action sequence. All right, <laughs> I'll
0: take your word for it. <laughs> I loved that movie when I was little. Uh other things to talk about. Miss Minutes gets big, scares everybody. Um yep. they they I do chase.
1: Like, I like Miss Minutes adapting to the, the old timey stuff. Yeah, I
0: thought that was a good look for her. I think it was a better look, honestly. Yeah. Um it was fun. but yeah, then we we kind of go to Kang's Lab, he he throws Renslayer off the boat because he doesn't take partners. Mm-hmm. And then Miss Minutes is like, we should be partners. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you don't listen to yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, what the heck?
0: I could be your girl. That was a little disturbing. That was. That was. Mannequins. I was like,
1: ugh. It's kind of cringing in my seat.
0: I did feel bad for this Kang variant. Yeah. Um, was just just like, he's like, I haven't done anything wrong, mm-hmm. oh, but you will. Can you judge someone for something they haven't done yet, Holman. Brings up some good Minority questions. Report. Yeah, Minority <laughs> Report.
1: Um, only yeah. good. I will say... Boom the, the one- Minority Report. What about it? I said only this was good. Boom <laughs> Roast Minority Report. No, that movie's all right. That's fine. Um, the one thing that I'll say that I kind of bothered me but at the same time i was just kind of laughing at it was at the lab just everyone shows up
0: yes it's, <laughs> it's very like, much like harry potter and the prisoner of Azkaban, like the yeah. shrieking shack or that's, whatever they call that's them.
1: a good comparison but it was just like okay so they're here and then oh mobius and loki show up oh stupid yeah <laughs> there's, super, there's sylvie and there's sylvie and it was just like it felt very like like i don't know it was very funny i liked it a lot it was pretty. It was kind of stupid, but I thought it was funny. I was just laughing by the end of it.
0: Yeah, uh, but Miss Minutes and Renslayer are kicked out to the end of time. Yep, where he who must he to who find remains. His yeah, he who must be renamed is. <laughs> he who must be renamed? <laughs> is 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 there just? just getting decomposed by the bacteria at the end of time. Do
1: you think they'll run into the other... Do you think we'll get some end-of-time shenanigans? I'm sure, yeah, but I don't know. I like, I really don't know what exactly they're going to do because I I don't know how Renslayer and Miss Minutes are going to come back from it. I'm sure there's something there that they can use, probably some technology that He Who Remains had that they never took care of, but yeah, it's just... I, I really don't, I just don't know what direction it's going, really. Other than, I mean, the predictions we've made, I think, are solid, but it's really hard to tell. Yeah,
0: let us know down in the comments, if you're on uh, YouTube or email in, uh, who do you think Renslayer is? Do you think she is maybe Miss Minutes, tied to her some way? Do you think she's a Kang variant? Mm-hmm. Do you think she's her own person uh, and some other theory is, uh, involves her in this and her past? Let us know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you think anything's going on with Ouroboros like we talked about earlier on? I like I hadn't really thought about that, but I really
1: like that idea. Because that I
0: just thought that because it's like he wrote the TVA manual. Mm. They dropped the manual off to try to create Kang, essentially.
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel like Ouroboros has to be tied to the success of the TVA in some way. Like, obviously Kang has to be like stand on his own as like a powerful threat and everything. So like... I'm sure he didn't do nothing or whatever, but yeah, maybe it's Ouroboros is like key to creating the the loom or whatever. And maybe that's you know, that's why the loom in the past doesn't work, because you know, Ouroboros isn't there or whatever. Um yeah. I feel like they have to strike a, a delicate balance with that, but it could be very interesting. Yeah. Sweet. I think that uh concludes
0: our discussion of Loki season two, episode three.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Of course, next week we'll be back to review episode four. Of are there six again this season? Six, yeah, this season. All right, so we're halfway done. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed this episode quite a bit, and so did you. So stay tuned for our discussion next week. Until then, though, we have to go to our next show, which has also been very entertaining. Yeah, Gen V. This is episode six, I believe, right? Episode six, Six. titled Jumanji.
1: All right, Gen V, episode six, uh, titled Jumanji. That's Not, a fun title.
0: Yeah, it is fun. No, no, no. Dwayne Johnson, no, no Robin Williams, Danny DeVito, Jack Black. Yeah. Others. Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. That's right. Uh, none of them, but uh, some sh- shenanigans. Shenanigans is my favorite word. There's some new mysteries to be unfolded. Last week we talked about. We got to get like a Kate episode, right? And. Here's our Kate, yeah, we got a Kate episode here at least part, m- partially a Kate episode where we kind of are diving back through her memories mm-hmm. of different events in her life.
1: Yeah, the majority of the episode has um, who all's in there? It's Marie, Jordan, Andre, mm-hmm. and then the one guy, the one guy who gets blown up, yeah, just gets blown up. I mean, I was like as soon as he was in there, I'm like, well, he's just there to die. Yeah. Like we don't know Put anything about the red about shirt guy. Star Trek. Yeah. thing <laughs> on him. <laughs> don't know anything about him. But yeah, they get trapped. Uh, Emma gets like leaves before they get trapped yes, essentially to find Sam. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the they spend most of the, the episode in the mindscape of Kate. That's very interesting. They learn a lot about her. They learn a lot about each other too. Mm hmm. Um, we sold your boy cameo. Yeah. So, which was very funny.
0: Yeah, it was. So, we, I mean, we start off with Kate's memory of, she told her brother to go away and never come back. Yes. Which is when she discovered she has powers. Um, We see that, uh, kind of just see that toll that it takes on her mom mm-hmm. specifically and herself, obviously, because she's basically locked into a room, her bedroom. Yeah. For until she goes to Godolkin university Um Seeing her take like her calculus class online and just living in isolation, feeling like she's a monster. And then you get uh, Dean Shetty comes and basically says, No, I'm on your side and I'm all warm and fuzzy and I'm not going to try to manipulate you because I think you're extremely powerful.
1: Yeah. So, you know, Kate has this person who's coming in and, you know, seemingly accepting her. And even though, and she's been growing up with this mom who hasn't been. So, of course, she's going to probably take the advice of this woman. A little Palpatine
0: to Anakin Skywalker sort of maneuver. Yeah, yeah. A little (laughs) grooming, if you will. Um, So I thought that was a really, really cool, interesting take to have on the situation. Makes sense as to why she could be manipulated. She just wants to be accepted and feel like she's not a monster. And she is a very powerful character. Her power is... is, um, I mean, extremely potent because you could just manipulate anyone, even the mm-hmm. strongest of all people uh, at the school, Golden Boy. And it, it makes you question, what are my actual own thoughts and what are thoughts that you planted in my brain and made mm-hmm. me feel? Like, Andre has a question, like, Did do I actually really like you or did you make me like you? Mm-hmm. Did you do that to Luke? Were you just there to manipulate him and then... Basically, her worst fears are being realized that maybe she is this horrible monster monster that she desperately doesn't want to be, but is being coerced to do by Dean Shetty, Mm -hmm. which is uh, a very interesting take. And Of course, she has her imaginary friend, Soldier Boy.
1: Yeah, which is just a very funny cameo appearance. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Has a a lot of very good lines, and then he explodes. He gets struck by brain lightning. Brain lightning yeah whatever that was yeah not lightning not lightning lightning
0: (laughs) brain thing that they need to get out there otherwise they're going to be like inception Mm -hmm. brain goo
1: yeah and so that was very funny but uh yeah then we learned that like uh jordan was like aware of luke's uh, like luke had had prior engagements with Mm -hmm. uh what's his name uh, Mr. Krabs. Mr. Krabs, yeah. <laughs> had, had previously kind of threatened Mr. Krabs. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and Jordan kind of came in and, and put a stop to it. And that's when uh, they became the TA for. Is it Brink or something? Yeah, br- I think Brink sounds right. I don't know. Which I was glad we got more of him in this episode. Yeah, I was
0: too. I was like, Clancy Brown is back.
1: Very exciting. Jen V. Clancy Brown. He's so good at being like a, a bad guy, but deceptively not. He's just, he's got that demeanor about him.
0: Richard right. Brink, Brinkerhoff. I think they call him Brink, right? Yeah, Brink. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was fun to see him again.
1: Get a little bit more of everybody's backstory. Um, least Andre had, Kate had been cheating on Luke with Andre for a while, yeah, a while. That which is- I guess like kind of makes sense. I, I'm kind of interested to see how that you know lines up with what we see in the first episode or two, because like they kind of do j- seemingly jump into a relationship pretty quick, and I kind of thought that initially. But I mean, if they had a pre-established thing going, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, so. it makes a little bit more
0: sense, and makes Andre feel like a worse person.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was something he was trying to hide. Well, and like initially when he's like trying to leave that room, you're like, oh, he just, he doesn't want to, you know, be there because he feels bad about, you know, getting a relationship with Kate so soon after Luke dying or whatever. But now you learn it's because, you know, he was going behind his back. Yeah. Everything, so.
0: Yikes. Um, We also, cutting back to, uh, speaking of intimate scenes, we have the the puppet int- intimacy. <laughs>
1: very funny, which is
0: very funny. I'm like, this can't just be a straight up intimate scene. Like, there's got to be some sort of twist to it between mm-hmm. Sam and Emma. And of course, it's Sam viewing puppet. Emma as a puppet. Yeah, and still going
1: through. Yeah. I guess if that's his thing.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, their relationship
1: is so fun. I really like that. It's it's very cute. cute. They're
0: two m- kind of misfits that are mm-hmm. nice together. Um. And uh, I like how their memories all back because I felt yes. so bad for Sam when Emma forgot about him. Yeah, that was that Poor was heartbreaking
1: guy. last episode. But yeah, no, it's it's good that all of their memories are just back, so now they're they're caught up to the point we are. Very nice that they don't have to you know spend a, a whole you know rest of the season getting back to that point.
0: Um, but going back to Kate's memories, she was in the woods, mm-hmm. uh, prior to all the investigative stuff we've seen in the season. Uh, by the kids, by the the, the students, and um, basically telling Luke to forget and all this, and we also get scenes of uh, the doctor. I don't know the doctor's name, the the researcher. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Who basically is like, okay, well, we got it. We can control the uh, the powers of the, the soups, and Shetty's all, you know, like, well, you know, why don't you try to make them sick? Yeah, uh, which is kind of like a nice little twist on. Usually it's like the researcher being like, it's not ready. We can't bring it to corporate yet. You know, like Green Goblin yeah, or whatever. You see, you know, it, is it's like, it is a reversal of that. Yeah. <laughs> like the trial begins now or whatever he <laughs> says in the <laughs> Spider-Man. It's like, you know, forcing it for the sake of money where Shetty's like, you know what? Why don't we let's, push the button? Why don't we do it. a little bit more research, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like no, we're ready to take it to buy. <laughs> we, we don't need, need it. Yeah, we're good. No, let's let's push it. Let's let's push these things and uh and then the soup ends up dying, which uh oh, can you make it contagious?
1: Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. So uh, what, what's she playing at?
0: blackmail to the rest of Vaught or just, like, Vought, too many superheroes. Vaught wants to get rid of them. They're a liability now or something. Yeah,
1: it could be any number of a things. New way, or maybe they want to get rid of
0: the old ones and the new ones that they can control themselves. And
1: they make it clear that the, the virus only affects soups. Yeah. So.
0: so I think it'd be cool to almost have it like that. And then where... So if this is going to connect with the boys, you have... I could see Vought wanting to try to get rid of this Gen V, this generation of of Gen uh, of a uh, oh yeah compound V sure. soups, and for this new serum that they have or whatever that makes them more easily controlled, mm-hmm. uh, so they can just you know activate them, turn them off, basically turn them into their servants or mm-hmm. slaves, these soup slaves, and uh, then having our current. Uh, group of heroes and anti-heroes having to band together to stop this where we might have okay now all of a sudden the boys interests are aligned with like homelander's interests or something like that and i could see that leading to a really fun storyline
1: yeah that'd be a really interesting direction to go so i could see that yeah so if if that is the way they go i'd be really excited for that if not uh,
0: i'm excited to see whatever they come up with uh Mm -hmm. but yeah so this Seeming like, okay, the Woods is here to control the soups, or Maybe it's to kill them off. Maybe a little bit of both. Uh, yeah. I think that was a good, nice little cliffhanger to end this episode on. Um, two episodes left, and I think this show continues to be wildly entertaining and, and standing by itself. Um, mm-hmm. It's fun to have the cameos, and it it's, you know, f- fanservicey, y but it doesn't hijack the show no, like it does in,
1: in other shows. Like Ahsoka or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's it it it's able to stand on its own. I'm sure, like people. It could, seems like okay, we have this good idea for this episode.
0: Also, oh, it'd be fun to throw a Soldier Boy in as a little bit of the thing,
1: yeah. even though you probably wouldn't understand everything. I think you could watch this show without having seen the boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like obviously, there's a lot of the context compound V stuff. Yeah,
0: that's a little, a bit, little bit, but for the most part, I mean, there's you're missing some of the VOT stuff. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't recommend it as the first thing you watch. No, in this universe. no, let's
1: definitely jump in with the boys first. But it is doing a pretty good job of standing on its own as a spin-off of something bigger. So, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, really good. Anything else to say about this episode? Oh, uh, I don't think so. I guess they they convinced Kate to wake back up and everything like yeah. Kate's Kate kind of has resigned herself she feels bad about everything she's done so she's like you know I'm just gonna I'm gonna die you know it's gonna it's happening I'll just, you guys can go her I'll eyes are looking here. rough yeah it looks bad but Andre convinces her to you know leave saying that he loves her even though he doesn't know you know how he feels about everything that's been going on and everything and yeah. feels betrayed um but yeah they get out and then Sam tries to beat her up, but they stop him. Yeah, they stop him.
0: Emma talks him out of it. So, nice. Sweet. Episode 7 reaction and spoiler discussion coming at you next week. Uh, But now, Holden, it's time for the main event, which, of course, finally, we're going to dive into our review of Killers of the Flower Moon, Martin Martin Scorsese's highly anticipated uh, film that just came out. We're going to start off spoiler free. So if you have not seen it, you're safe to listen to the next segment of the show. We'll warn you. Uh, before we dive into spoilers. So no worries there. All right, buckle up. It's time for Killers of the Flower Moon. All
1: right, Killers of the Flower Moon, new Martin Scorsese movie. Yes. Um, I got the synopsis right here. That's Clancy Brown. Yeah, well, that was Clancy (laughs) Brown. Now I clicked over to the other tab.
0: Uh, in the 1920s, members of the Osage Native American tribe of Osage County, Oklahoma, are murdered after oil is found on their land. And the FBI
1: decides to investigate. Uh, it's directed, It's based on a book of the same name, Killers of the Flower Moon by David Gran. A mm-hmm. book that you've read. A book that I read four years ago, yes. Yes. And you have a big... Sheet I of have, notes here for
0: I so I did that <laughs> bonus episode podcast. So I have twenty mm-hmm. pages of notes. Jesus Christ. Over yeah. this podcast. Well, it's basically this is the script of the podcast. Oh, okay. So this is sure. like the actual script. It was 40 minutes. Reading it, Don't sure. listen to that. It's way too fastly paced. It was for a final project for college. But there are some little tidbits of information that I do want to go back and share. Uh some quotes from uh Molly Burkhart, uh, who is played by Lily Gladstone mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, so I have an actual quote from her that I want to share as well as David Grant has a quote about kind of the character or the, the, um, kind of the morality of the character played by Leonardo DiCaprio, whether or not he actually loved, uh, his wife, Molly Burkhart. um, this is Ernest Burkhardt I'm talking about. So I think those are some things I would like to dive into, some explaining of kind of the logistical nature of uh, how the money is flowing in uh, Osage County with these things called head rights. But um, I'll save that stuff for spoilers sure. uh, for people who have seen the film. Uh, this movie, Elephant in the Room, it's three hours and 26 minutes. Yeah. Something like that. It's a long movie. It's a long Lawrence movie. Scorsese makes a lot of move- long movies. I don't think this movie dragged for me, though.
1: No, it didn't. It is. It's not fast paced. No, it's it's not really fast paced. I feel like the trailers make it seem more exciting than it is. I like the the few bits of violence that are shown on screen are like in the trailer, mm-hmm. and like that's fine. I don't really mind so much. Like I I I find the whole ride very interesting. But if you're going in, you're expecting stuff like that the entire time, you're not going to get it. But the story itself is very interesting. It's very sad. It's very engaging. It's. I think it's definitely worth it. It's I think shocking.
0: It ju- I mean, it's shocking from the same point if you don't know anything about the yeah, story, which I, which I most people much are, didn't are not. Yeah, yeah.
1: It was very. It was very engaging. I think it justifies its length, especially with how much they had to get in there um, and how much time they were spending on each of the characters and everything. So it's an incredible adaptation. Because I yeah. mean,
0: when when I read the book. And we were talking about the movie. I was like, "There's just like, how are they going to make this a movie? Like, mm-hmm. it's so many people, so many moving parts. Yeah, it's a very complicated sort of story to tell." And I think Martin Scorsese did a very good job of explaining how it happens. Yeah. Um. Interestingly, the book plays out more of a as a mystery uh, as to like what has happened. This movie is less of a mystery and more of like a here's what happened kind of let's study the nature of these characters yeah and the morality of these characters which was a different take I think it makes it less entertaining but I don't think it makes it worse if that's a if that's a kind of my angle at it my take on it
1: it's interesting because it isn't really a mystery you kind of know who's doing what but at the same time you're kind of uncovering the the depth of like the the plots and everything that are going on as the movie happens and so i feel like it isn't until quite late in the movie that you kind of have a a full grasp of everything that's happening wide scope this is the, the scope and everything so, it, I mean, there is still, you know, some uncovering mystery element to it. Um, maybe not as much from an investigation standpoint, but just from watching the movie and picking up on clues. Um, with that, I mean, we're not we're not going to spoil who does what because I feel like the trailer doesn't really give it away. If, I mean, if you don't know, right? Yeah. You, you said you thought you might have picked up on stuff from the trailer. I didn't really know know anything from just watching the trailer. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if you've just seen the trailer... We won't necessarily talk about who does what. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say the the I think the biggest dif- like that's the
0: biggest different difference between the book and the movie is just it's it's less of a mystery. Than the movie is mm-hmm. um, also just the FBI part of it. I mean, that kind of goes with that that point that it's less of mystery. But the FBI part, Tom White, who's played by Jesse Plemons, his role is greatly reduced in the movie than it is in the book where he's pretty much the second half of the book is kind of him unraveling sure. this story and trying to figure it out um which i can see why that yeah. Mar- why martin scorsese did yeah, it. you don't less it- of the the fbi story more of like this actual community and these the, this main group of people this main family lily gladstone family who this is who are the kind of the Centralized victims of this story,
1: yeah. Well, while, while um, obviously the FBI did play a big part in getting you know the mystery solved and everything in real life, you don't, he didn't want to present it as like a white savior movie, right? Yeah. He doesn't want just the FBI to come in and save everything, so he presents it from a much more like empathetic lens from like the Osage and the actual people involved in the crimes and everything. So, yeah, um, yeah. So
0: this is just a really interesting story and mm-hmm. crazy thing that doesn't get talked about. You're not going to find yeah. this story really in a textbook.
1: Which is um, crazy because it is like, as you said, it's, or is, you were talking to me about, it, it's like the birth of the FBI, right? It's the birth
0: so- of the FBI pretty much. I mean, J. Edgar Hoover is 29 mm-hmm. when this investigation starts. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. So it's so- basically this, the first real big investigation mm-hmm. by the FBI um, like at the beginning or when part of the movie, it's like, literally, I'm like Tom White's like, I'm from the Bureau of Investigation. They're like, what? Yeah. What is that? I, don't I thought that know was a good touch. Um, no one knows what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Washington, the federal thing. They're like, okay, whatever, man.
1: I will say without spoiling the way the, even though it's not a se- like the biggest focus, when the FBI comes into play, the way their investigation pans out is really cool. I think how mm-hmm. the movie presents it, even yeah. though it like, it isn't the main thing.
0: Um, I can't remember what else I was going to say here, but, uh, yeah, so that's less of a, a deal. The, the book I think does a better job of explaining why spe- certain things happen for a specific way. Mm-hmm. Um, and exactly how this head right system works for how the Osage people got the oil money and logistically how that works. I think the b- book does a better job. I don't think it would have been that difficult to convey it. In this, I think there, since it is kind of showing a lot of this conspiracy of how to do this, it needed like a little like chalkboard scene of like, hey, this is, we need to do this in order to do this. And then it all lines up this way and connects the dots. I think could have used that just from a standpoint of just clearly defining why they went about it this way. Because it was pretty meticulously planned out by the people who did this. and the movie it's more like okay we're going to take out this person because it's going to get us more money um but it doesn't have that meticulous planning that the book has that tom white uh, the fbi agent eventually like uncovers of oh this is why they did it exactly like this
1: mm-hmm. yeah i as someone who has not like read the book i think it the way they present it works for me because you don't know it,
0: it, what yeah you like if you didn't read it you don't know what it's missing like it yeah. doesn't feel I, like it's missing i, I think I, it just would have added to it i
1: maybe didn't know all of the details to the head write system but i'd feel like i i picked up on enough it, like i'm i think my biggest concern with them including like a scene explaining it was it would feel almost talking down to the audience a bit too much like i feel like you're able to kind of pick up on an, an, what you need to know from the movie yeah. and i feel like th- that's just kind of like the movie trusting you to figure it out almost. So I, I mean, I get what you're saying, but yeah. I don't think it's really necessary. Okay. Personally, I think it would have added to it. Sure.
0: Um, given more given the audience more of like, okay, this is why they're doing it exactly this way. Mm-hmm. And this one person is very intelligent and manipulative and evil, <laughs> uh, which you get, but I just think it would have further characterized that development
1: um without the performances are all very good imagine that yeah who would have (laughs) thought Robert De Niro great Leonardo DiCaprio
0: great Lily Gladstone great yeah
1: very good pretty much everyone in this movie is great I mean even just the smaller uh, bit actors who I mean I don't know most of their names but Jesse
0: Plemons plays Jesse Plemons yeah
1: but he's good he's great he's very good (laughs) I really liked that um but, yeah, a great cast. Um, one thing I, I wanted to mention was the the score is very good mm-hmm. um, by Robbie Robertson, who... Which was,
0: is a 100% a real name.
1: <laughs> I think it is. Oh,
0: it's his, oh, Robbie's his nickname. Yeah, I know, but it still is like Robbie Robertson. Oh, yeah, no, it just sounds said. like the name you would make up in a... He's, he's one of the
1: members of the, the band called The Band, uh, which... Martin Scorsese did the documentary, the last waltz about. So he's had like this uh, ongoing connection, I guess. But one of the things I wanted to mention about the score was, um, it sounds a lot. A lot of it is very like subtle, like a lot of just very simple bass lines kind of, kind of going throughout the scene. And it sounds like ambient music from left for dead, <laughs> Which, if you if you've ever played it, um, you, you might know what I'm talking about, or if you've if you watched the movie and you've played the game, it. But a lot of it, I was like, "Oh, this sounds like it could just be straight from Left 4 Dead," which <laughs> has a very good soundtrack, so not you know nothing wrong with that. So nice, yeah, uh, okay, yeah. I thought it was nice
0: it added to the atmosphere, production value, and design. It's great. Mm-hmm. They nailed it. The nineteen oh, twenties
1: yeah. Oklahoma aesthetic. Two hundred million dollars uh well spent. Really yes. making this was, the movie looks like it's two hundred million dollars. Yeah. Apparently it's the most expensive movie ever shot in Oklahoma, which I guess makes sense probably. <laughs> I'm trying to think what else. Oh, yeah, is I don't shot know. I don't I can't think of another movie shot in Oklahoma off the top of my head. But I mean the, the sets are, are huge and immaculate. There's I there was that one shot towards the beginning of the movie that I don't know I don't know how much was real of like all the oil rigs. I think uh, that was CG. M- probably most of it was, I feel like some, of probably some of the closer ones were real or probably, whatever, yeah. but I, it, it was, it looked great
0: though. To me, there's like this main street mm-hmm. in, uh, what's the name of this? The actual town here. I've got it somewhere. Gray horse, Oklahoma, um, which is Osage County. Um, the main street looks great. Yeah. And they're doing these kind of car races things and it's just muddy and gross and mm-hmm. just they nailed it.
1: Yeah. yeah it was cool. awesome. Um what else non-spoiler wise?
0: I don't know if there's a ton to say left non-spoiler wise. I just think that this is probably a great movie to see, especially if you don't know anything about this. I will say the I think the biggest advantage of the movie over the book is there's so many names mm-hmm. in this book. I swear I, yeah, you can put faces to the name. You can in the put movie. faces to the name in the movie. Whereas mm. when you're reading the book and it's like got 30 characters and it's like, oh, this connects to this, and then this person got murdered and now this and their cousins with this and that and this. Like
1: the first, like first 100 <laughs> pages of the book or something. I'm like what, what is happening? And it, I wouldn't even say it's like that easy to keep track of everyone. There are there are still so many characters in the movie. There are a couple points where I was having a hard time keeping track of everyone, but I mean by the end of it, I had everything straight. It was just like, I think it throws a lot at you in the first half. Which the book does too. Yeah. But as, as you're able to stew with it more and you you spend more time with like each of these characters, you're able to keep track a little better. Yeah.
0: Nice. Um, yeah, no, I think, I think that's the big advantage here. Um, so if you are not planning on reading the book or whatever, I think it's a great move to see. Uh, it's, and just a. Thing that people should know about American mm-hmm. history: um, what had what this thing happened. Um, I also saw a comment. I think it was on like Chris Stockman's review mm-hmm. that it was from a person from the Osage tribe who said, "This is also not the only thing that's happened in our history." Yeah, uh, which is important to know. But yeah, no, I think it's a, a little uh, a very fascinating and tragic part of human uh, of American history that uh, kind of. Tells us about human nature and and uh and some of these things that uh people have done to other people uh for getting money.
1: I also think it has a very strong ending. I really like the ending to yeah. the movie. So I obviously I won't spoil that, but <laughs> don't want to just give that away.
0: <laughs> when the aliens land and, <laughs> and then they start <laughs> Um, whatever, at the end of the Close Encounters of a Third Kind. Um, Yeah, I think that's pretty much all to say non-spoiler-wise. Uh, I think there's lots and lots and lots to say spoiler-wise. So oh, yeah, I think we save a lot for that discussion, and we let people just go out and see this movie that you should see. I was very pleasantly surprised at how many people were at our movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, we did go Friday. We usually go Thursday night to movies, which are obviously going to be a little less busy, but we went Friday, and it was very packed. Mm-hmm. Which was probably great. not sold out, but there were a ton of people there. Yeah. We we kind of, we got to like buy our tickets and we were surprised by how many people had It was not- the
0: farthest back I've had to sit in the theater in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Same.
1: All right. Holden. So if you're going to score this, what are you going to give it? Uh, I'm probably at like a nine, nine and a half. nine and I'll go nine and a half. I don't really have much issue with at all with this movie. It's very good. Um, see it in a the theater. If it all, uh, it all sounds interesting to you. I think it's definitely worth seeing there. So
0: yeah, yeah again the pacing it's not as fast as something like Babylon flew. Yeah. I think Oppenheimer flies mm-hmm. to uh Gun to My Head. I liked Oppenheimer more, but I think that maybe just because I read this book already, so like the shock value of the story, I didn't yeah, get I to don't know experience which one I would like more personally. Um but I think both are very exceptional it's cool that these uh, uh, kind of in- directors still at the peak of their powers are coming out with some great films mm. that people are going out and seeing. So awesome. Awesome time to be alive for. And who said cinema is dead? Hold on. <laughs> who said cinema is dead? All right. Sweet. All right. Let's dive into our spoiler discussion of Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs>
1: All right. Spoilers for Killers of the Flower Moon, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Where should we start? Beginning? Start with the beginning. All right. Well, so we have Leo DiCaprio's character. Ernest uh, Burkhart. Ernest Burkhart, um, who comes back from the war. Um, he had a... I don't... What What's his injury? I didn't fully understand. He what had his, some sort of back injury. He can't lift
0: heavy things. Okay. it's basically what okay. they
1: said. Yeah. I, he, I, I remember he couldn't lift things, but so, yeah, he's... He's working as a driver. He gets a job from his uncle, uh, Bill Bill Hill William K Hale yeah or Hale yeah William K Hale. Yeah. Um, they King, call King of the Osage Hills. Yes, um, he gets a job as a driver and starts driving around this, this lady Molly Burkhart or Molly what's her I don't remember what her maiden name is.
0: I can't remember either. Um, uh, yeah, so say. the book starts like. Forty-five minutes into the movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> so a lot of the and then they,
1: I, Molly da- Kyle.
0: David Grant doesn't spend the author of the book doesn't spend a lot of time on all this backstory that they flesh out at the beginning of this movie mm-hmm. in the first forty-five minutes. It's like a chapter or two, something like that. Okay, um, he does talk about it, but the the book starts with the night Anna is murdered. Okay. So they have this house party. Anna is murdered, and a lot of the book is who killed Anna Bergard is like a lot of the book. And that's not nearly as much of a thing in this movie. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Which again, it's more of the the investigation. I right? who alibis are they checking yeah. out this night? What exactly happened? The autopsy, which that stuff is in here. It's just not nearly as much of a focus.
1: Yeah, it's it's much more of a chronological look at events in this. Um, and it's a lot we, more of an analysis of Molly and Ernest's relationship,
0: yes. which I think they nailed. I they think did that s- it is the strongest part of the movie is their relationship. It's, I think it's very compelling because they just like. That was the part of the book that I'm like, do they, yeah? Do they? Does Ernest love her or does he not?
1: It and it's strange yeah. in because in the movie it's, they I feel like each scene with them together they have to like prove their love to me, <laughs> like yes, <laughs> like, right? like it's every time I go into a scene I'm like I cannot tell how these people feel about each other because it's like we we get so much information about Ernest or Molly or whatever and then we get into a scene. And uh, it, it doesn't help that Molly is, like, very reserved and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of hard to read her in general. But, yeah, you get into a scene with them together. And then by the end of the scene, most of the time, they prove they do uh, – they are, you know, have feelings for each other and they, you know, in love or whatever. But it's just, like, it's not convincing enough to carry throughout the movie, <laughs> which I think is completely on purpose because with everything that happens involving Ernest and, and her family, it's like, well – you know, he's, he does love her, but he's also willing to do all of these th- horrible things to her. Yes. <laughs> like, it's very complicated. So here's
0: what basically that says in the book. So Ernest migrated to Oklahoma from Texas, where he'd grown up uh, as the son of a poor cotton farmer. He came to work as a ranch hand for a successful uncle, a beloved local man named William K. Hale. Uh David Grant in the book, this is... Li- okay, so this rest part. This next part, here's a literal quote from the book. He has a tendency to drink moonshine and play Indian stud poker with men of ill repute. But beneath his roughness, there seemed to be a tenderness and a trace of insecurity, and Molly fell in love with him. Uh, And then the next part I paraphrase from the book. Though Molly knew some English, Ernest studied her native language so he could converse with her more naturally. He demonstrated his commitment to Molly by helping her cope with her diabetes and by telling her that he couldn't live without her. Ernest's friends ridiculed him for his love for molly but that didn't stop them from getting married in 1917 four years before anna is murdered okay um so yeah i mean it is like in the movie version it seems very much like william k hale's like go court an old stage woman (laughs) yeah
1: yeah he's pushing him to do that but he feels and i mean based on what it seems to be in real life he feels mm-hmm. like he's doing it out of you know good intentions like pure intentions mm-hmm. i guess he does really have feelings for her he feels like that's not anything that his uncle influenced um but yeah that's that's interesting to hear that about the real life stuff but i mean he he does he like in the movie i guess pretty much everyone does I mean, Molly does speak the Osage language some, but she seems to it seems to be more like everyone's just speaking English in this. I don't know if that's just for like it's, it's probably just yeah thing. accessibility for you know general audiences. But there I'm are guessing. scenes where they they are, they are talking to each other, um, yeah,
0: in uh, in the Osage language. Um, again, in in this, it's like Anna gets murdered and. William K. Hale in the book is like very much like I want to help you figure out mm-hmm. who did this. puts a lot of money towards it. Which again, this is in the movie, but we already know it. An audience, like as an audience, yeah. like William K. is not a good dude. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to manipulate this and to get as much money as he can, as I, we can. I and like, that is not a thing in the like. You are suspicious in the book of like why is this guy so involved, but in the movie, it's just like straight up. This dude is a manipulative evil man who's willing to murder people and hurt people for money. Well,
1: and I love seeing it, how it's presented in the movie. Cause we, we just get to see how two faced he is Like yes. <laughs> the entire movie. Like he's, you know, most people see him as this good guy, very generous. He knows all the kids. I mean, he knew Molly as a kid and talks about how, you know, much of a troublemaker mm-hmm. she was and everything. Um, And then, like he's just doing these insane, like insanely evil things behind their backs, and Robert De Niro is so good. (laughs) Yes, this guy—he nails the press because, like
0: in the book, you definitely are reading it, and he's like, "This guy seems like a a force of nature Mm -hmm. in this community." And Robert De Niro nails that. I think Leonardo DiCaprio's performance is even more incredible because he's playing less of a concrete character like we don't know exactly what his characterization is so I I think bringing that nuance and that ability to interpret it of either way like he doesn't love her he does love her or somewhere you know where in that gray area the fact that Leonardo DiCaprio pulls that off I think is even more noteworthy than an already incredible performance by Robert De Niro.
1: Well, and Le- Leo, his character, uh, frankly, is just pretty stupid. He's dumb, he's and he's very- dumb in the like. <laughs> he's not very bright in yeah. the book either, and which it's- is also a thing. It's like, well, is he just coerced by
0: his uncle, who clearly is? very yeah. intelligent,
1: which it, it's uh, the movie makes seem it, it's unclear. It's not really taking a stance one way or another, but there is a lot of, of him being manipulated by his uncle and, you know, him being kind of unsure. There's a, a great scene later on where he's signing the, the rights over to, or like the will or whatever it is to his uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's clearly being manipulated there. Um, but yeah, he's just, He's just not that bright. There's the scene where he, he tries to have the one guy steal his car <laughs> for the insurance money. It's just like this poorly thought out scheme. Yeah. Like doesn't make any sense, really, if you stop and think about it. Um, Hale paddles
0: yeah, paddles him on the That's butt. That's
1: right, yeah. <laughs> <Oof>. yeah. <laughs>
0: um, I have some more information for the book about William Cahill that I think is interesting as well. So in my notes, I have in general... Hale was a highly respected figure in Osage County. Politicians needed his support in order to win elections. And many of the Osage Indians considered him the country's excuse me, the county's greatest benefactor. Uh, and this, so Hale had provided support for the Osage, and this is a quote from the book, before they were flush with oil money, donating to charities, schools, and a hospital. So he was doing this stuff before all the oil stuff came in too. So it's interesting. It's
1: opportunistic, I guess. Yeah,
0: so it's like, okay, this guy was already a force in his community and then he saw the opportunity to get more money and then he did this. So it's like, you know, like that's hard to grapple with a little bit that Mm -hmm. he, okay, he was, you know, maybe there is this two-faced nature of him. And when did he start to rationalize this violence and uh did was he always like that or did that mm. did he become greedier over time i just thought that was interesting when i was going back through my notes that it, that david grant had wrote, written about that before yeah um saying that he was highly respected you know before all the, the money so was he involved in other schemes to to get money out of them or or you know yeah or was it just the opportunism of hey i could I'm respected. I could get away with this yeah. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that sort of psychopathic tendency of like, Oh, if I don't get caught, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Thing. Which, or like it's I've done all these good things. I can take this now. Yeah. Cause I'm it's more justified. Sick
1: rationalization. Yeah. Um, tangent i was thinking about about Hale and uh byron the brother or whatever i was like i recognize that actor yeah what's he in he's uh david in the last of us show oh that's what he is <laughs> i was like and he's he's in other things too like i'm pretty sure he's he was in Camino. brian burkhardt i think it's his name it's brian i thought it was byron i think it's brian unless oh. i have well, it in my notes wrong letters switched around <laughs> um but yeah, so I was—I just now remembered that, and I, I hadn't was like, looked "He it looks yet. so familiar." No, it's Byron.
0: Byron. Huh. In my notes, I have Brian. So I must have written it down from the book wrong.
1: Unless it's correctly. different in the movie, but I don't know if it would be. <laughs> 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 I just changed the, those two letters for some reason. Um. Here, let me look at the the book. Uh, I don't know what it says. Say,
0: probably. Huh. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. Um what else uh, can we talk about this movie? I mean, plenty. Um, so the first killing, I mean, so it, the movie, the movie makes it apparent that there have been killings prior to like what's happening. Um, but the first kind of one that they, that, uh, Leo Ernest gets involved in is, who is it? That Ernest, like the first death, that's like uh, of the family. Who's the first death? That death of the family. I think it's um, Minnie. Is it one of the Minnie. daughters? Oh yeah, like, that's right. Is uh, poisoned. Yeah, seemingly. She,
0: Which in the book, it's like she dies of this mysterious illness, and it's I think Bill Smith, who's the guy who gets blown up, is like I think she's poisoned.
1: Yeah, well, in the movies, it, if I don't know if if in real life they don't have if they just say mysterious illness, like like they. They imply that it's poisoning in the, from the, in the movie, yeah, in the movie. But like it's it's not like taking a stance or anything. It's still just like I mean, she could be sick, but probably poison. I think they said probably poison. Okay.
0: Um, yeah, and then the kind of yeah, you, a lot of it the beginning of the movies establishing William K. and that relationship with, um, with Ernest, uh, mm. kind of telling him to go court Molly. We get that kind of courtship. Him working to get. Molly's favor, their marriage, and then and then it goes to the the murder of Anna, yeah, um, and th- them discovering her body, yes, which is which is that happens the same night as um, what's his name, the other guy who gets murdered, that same time. I don't have it in my it's somewhere in my notes here, but I again it's a lot of pages.
1: Is it in the movie? Uh, yeah, it's uh,
0: Charles Whitehorn.
1: Oh yeah yeah yeah. Which is yeah, their he, gets, he gets he gets taken gets out to like style, yeah, to the, like the rigs and shot So that's the same day, I believe so. The oh, same wow. the
0: same day, Anna corpses,
1: Anna's corpses, Anna's corpse had been
0: found. An oil r- worker discovered another body within Osage County. It was Charles Whitehorn, Anna and Molly's cousin. He had been shot. Oh, did they make it clear
1: that he's a cousin? I thought he was just another guy. No. But, but here's a
0: good quote from the book: "They found Anna on her back with her hair twisted in the mud and her eyes vacant." Her vacant eyes facing the skies, worms eating at her corpse. Yeah, that's well, nice description, so David. Green. That,
1: that party scene, the night that Anna gets murdered, is I mean that's that's the most we get of Anna throughout this movie, and she's you know makes quite a you know. She's presence. got her gun. Yeah, she's got her gun. She's drunk. Um, I don't remember the gun being a thing in this in the book. I, she's definitely
0: in book. drunk in the book, but I don't remember the
1: gun. It's like it's so there's just such a sense of dread when you you know Byron's taking her home. You're like, well, she's going to die like this is so obvious. Mm -hmm. And it's it's also very depressing because like it's so obvious to us what's going to happen. And then like they just like no one figures it out like after Mm -hmm. like initially. I I mean, obviously, that's, you know, Hale's influence and, and everything, but it's it's well, the big depressing. thing is
0: they found, like, her purse at home, yeah, which suggests that Byron had dropped her off. Dropped her off, yeah. Um, So that was the big thing. What they found out later from eyewitness testimonies is that Byron actually, they took her out again mm-hmm. to, like, the saloon or whatever. And then they took her and executed her. Yeah. So yeah. that was the big thing there because... All these other people had alibis and I can't remember exactly why. And that's why it's such a big mystery in the book is like, okay, well, who like uh, her ex-husband, Oda Brown was like a big Hmm. suspect as well. And they disproved it was him. So it's like, if it's not, you know, it's ex-husband would be a clear motive. It wasn't the guy who drove her home. Then who killed her, you know, on this night where she was drunk and all this stuff. Um, So that's like, that's the big mystery of the book. That uh, Hale's like, oh, I'm totally gonna support you in trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the Schown brothers, who are the doctors, play a a big role in the book too. And they found out that they had manipulated the autopsy, and they most likely like got d- destroyed the the bullet evidence or something like that. Sure. Um And I think they they had killed. I think they were the ones who maybe killed uh, the other guy that they found the white uh, oh sure, that. Night. Well, yeah. I, think that, that's what I guess that would make out.
1: they they don't make that clear in the movie, but it's it is like two guys. So yeah. I guess that would make sense.
0: Um, yeah. To uh, kind of put into perspective how much money they had from these head rights, and just some more information about it. So you've seen the movie if you're listening to this. Um, so let me find where I got the the head right stuff here. Come on, where are we at in my notes? I got, here we go. Um, so here's the thing. So when they got all this land, uh, there were 2,229 people in the Osage tribe. And they had, they were each given so many acres of land, and then they each received an equal claim to everything under the land, the mm. mineral rights under the land. So that's when they discovered oil. It didn't matter whose land it was. The tribe, everyone who had a head right, shared that equally sure so the 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 problem is is head rights could only be inherited you can't just like will them to someone else. they have to be inherited by like a member of the the tribe or something um from one of the original 2229 and then those head rights were you it wasn't evenly broken off after that it was from the 2229 original ones Let's say I had a spouse and two kids. So when I die, since I have a spouse, two kids, that's three people. Now each of those people have a third of a head right. right. If I just had a spouse and I died, that spouse would get all of my head right. So it was Mm -hmm. broken up by inheritance. And um, the big thing in the movie is like they killed the people in a certain order so that the inheritance is passed to very specific people. And basically, William K. Hale's idea was to funnel all the money back to Molly Burkhardt. Mm-hmm. So he basically, the plan was to kill these people in a very specific order so that the money came to them. And one of the big things that Tom White, uh, Jesse Plemons' character, the FBI agent, figures out in the book is the reason why Bill Smith and Rita, Bur- Rita Kyle, or Rita Smith, I guess, Molly's sister. Sure. Um, they're blown up is because they had to die simultaneously mm. in order for this inheritance to work the way that w- Hale needed it to work, for it to go back to Molly. And um, Bill actually survived for like four more days, um, even though he was like in really, really rough shape. So that plan didn't work out the way they that wanted. they had intended. Sure. That they had intended. But I have some facts for like how much these head rights were actually worth. If I could find them, if I just look up the dollar symbol, that should help me out. All right. I got the life insurance policy stuff. All, all these things were um, very accurate. Like um, so guardians and stuff. So they talk about like how Molly, she's like introduced herself as incompetent. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, they had a competency thing. It's like, how, how, what percentage Osage are you? If you're like a full blooded Osage, you were deemed incompetent. You're half, maybe not. Uh, So you had to have a guardian to look after your money, which I think they kind of imply a lot in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, They literally, towards the beginning, they're like, all right, guardian, people without guardians over here, guardians, whatever over here. Molly's guardian was Ernest. Okay. Which I don't think they make clear in the movie. No,
1: they don't they don't really have that factor in. But uh the guardians completely manipulated that. So oh, yeah.
0: Um I have it here. Historian William Broad describes how it was typical of guardians to buy a car for 200 dollars and then sell it to their ward, their person, Osage uh person for twelve hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, so they're just completely manipulating that situation. Um here's the guy, I got a whole thing about why it was... Should I read this or no? About why the head rights would go to the certain people? Or no, just just I think it's back? okay. All right. We- um, here we go. Here's this point. Um, the whole idea was Hale would inherit an estate worth $2.5 million as well as an annual head right income of $250,000. That's 1921 money. Yeah. So this would be worth... So he, through doing all these killings, Hale would have inherited thirty over thirty six million dollars. This is in like twenty nineteen money, so even more than this, like more like forty million dollars, and then have an annual headright income that would have been like four million dollars. Jeez. So that is from what all all this stuff was, and I have somewhere like what these are worth in today's money, each of the headrights. But I'll look for that while you're kind of adding your thoughts to this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I The the way the head rights work in the movie, I feel like it's, as I had kind of mentioned before, it's just kind of like sprinkled in stuff. Like, I guess the the incompetent thing, I didn't really understand, you know, what that was necessarily in, entailing, but it's, you don't, you not don't really absolutely need absolutely to know, know, yeah. And like the Guardians thing, I kind of, you know, they don't really explain it, but I was by, you know, just kind of, inferring based on what was happening in the movie. I was like, Oh, you know, I kind of, I kind of get that, but um, I feel like there's just enough breadcrumbs in the movie to make it, you know, understandable, even if you don't necessarily uh, have all of the details. So here's a a fact I have for, for you. So
0: in 1923 alone, the Osage just distributed the modern day equivalent of over $400 million in, in the oil money Not between sure. the 2229 head rights, or about 180 grand per head right per year so that's 180 thousand that year yeah, yeah and that's 2019 money so it's probably more like 200 grand uh, considering that most families at the time had multiple people with head rights the standard of living in Osage County was exceptionally high uh, David Grant called like he says that there are journalists and newspapers that called them the red millionaires with their brick and terracotta mansions and chandeliers, their diamond rings and fur coats and chauffeured cars, um, again the richest county per capita in the world at the yeah, time, which they, is incredible. That and I think they the did a really good job of. I remember like the, these photographs in the book of these people. You know, like these people just dressed up very elegantly with their cars yeah. and chauffeurs. I thought and that I was the beginning really of the movie. Does a good job with that, really well portraying it. Like it reminded me of those pictures that are in the book. So I thought they <laughs> captured that.
1: Really, really well. Um, should we talk about uh, Molly and her diabetes?
0: Yes. Um, so that's part of the book where she just keeps getting worse and mm-hmm. worse and worse. And then basically they're like, they, <laughs> Ernest goes to jail or gets like arrested. And then she gets immediately better. Okay. Like, Probably poisoned. And all yeah. these other people are getting slowly poisoned. Um, well, that was a big thing.
1: Yeah. So so they get the insulin, which at the time was like such a commodity. They make it clear in the movie that, like, brought to five, you by William K. Hale. Again. Yeah, of course, William K. Hale. But like five people in the world have this kind of treatment or whatever. So injecting her with insulin. And then at some point, he has to start putting this extra thing in there. And they don't, at, at least in the movie, they don't tell him what it is. But it's very clear it's some sort of poison and he can Mm -hmm. pick up on that too, but he's still doing it. Um, which is just really sad. Yeah. I mean, luckily she, she ends up okay after the, after that whole situation, but at least in terms of her own health, but, yeah, it's it's her seeing watching her get worse in the movie was just really depressing. It's very slow burn. I probably most of the second half of the movie is just that. And I mean, you're just like thinking
0: how that. earnest, how can you be? Doing yeah, how this? can
1: you like justify this? Mm-hmm. And she like in he still talks about how he loves her and everything. There's the one scene where like they reveal that Molly's pregnant again. Yeah. You know, with, the, with the last child and Hale's just like. Why are you like, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, do you not see what you're doing right now? Like, why are you getting another child there? He doesn't say that, but and then and Ernest is honestly in that situation probably just too dumb to pick up on what he's saying, but, yeah, yeah,
0: um, yeah, no, I, it's, yeah, it's just like the cold hearted, calculating nature of William Cahill is hard to believe mm-hmm. how this man. Literally, t- tens of people died at yeah, his know. hand to help him earn this money, Ugh, which yeah. he doesn't even need. No, he's like, already that's he's that, already respected. He already is loaded, and yeah. he's just like secure my family.
1: That's just one of the big things that I was like, oh my gosh, you're already loaded, but
0: incredible to to believe.
1: Um, one of oh, go ahead. Oh, I was I was just gonna say around that point in the movie, when like the poisoning is starting to happen is when the FBI comes in, Mm -hmm. including Jesse Plemons, Tom white character. Again, who is a much bigger character
0: in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I I think this movie does a nice job wrapping up all these things. Again, this is where the book is like, Oh, this person is tied to this person, which is tied to this person. And that refers to this thing that you read 10 chapters ago and this and that. And there's, it's such a big conspiracy with so many victims. That's like, holy cow, how do what? I wrap my mind around this? How are they going to make this into a movie? Yeah, And they pulled it off. And
1: instead in this, yeah, it's like like at the beginning when we first find, like there's the one scene where Ernest like robs those people with like the sack on his head mm-hmm. or whatever. And that's the first time I was like, oh geez, like <laughs> this guy is already like up to no good. And then like throughout the movie you kind of you know, feel like he's being involved in more and more. And there's a few scenes where it's like, it's like later revealed that he was involved like killing the one, the private investigator or whatever. Um, Which I don't remember that in the book. It could sure. have certainly been a,
0: a thing cause there's so much information. Yeah. Um,
1: but like, yeah. but you're, you know, who's involved, but you're the mystery in the movie is just figuring out as, as you kind of said earlier, the kind of the breadth of everything and how deep it goes. And it is it. It feels at least for someone who didn't know what was happening, it was very interesting seeing how deep it goes, and it's very surprising. And yeah,
0: um, I so again, I think the the core of this movie to me is the relationship between Molly and Ernest, and the complexity of it. I think is just really intriguing to explore. Um, so even though this is in the book. Even though her health immediately improved, she refused to believe her husband was involved in such a heinous crime. So this is an actual quote from Molly Burkhart: My husband, Ernest, is a good man, a kind man. He wouldn't have done anything like that, and he wouldn't hurt anyone else, and he wouldn't ever hurt me. Mm -hmm. So Molly clearly has feelings for Ernest. As for Ernest having feelings for her, I have a quote. Uh, from an interview with David Grant on his thoughts because he um, obviously spent a lot of time researching this. Um, So when asked if he believed Ernest Burkhart married Molly to gain control of her head right, David Grant responded, from the available records, we don't know for sure, but Molly Burkhart's descendants believe the marriage had been conceived as part of the scheme. Hmm. So that's David Grant's official kind of statement as of, let's see when this would have been. That was 2017.
1: In the movie, it's, as I mentioned before, Molly's kind of a hard character to read, but it seems to be up until towards the end, she has some, you know, she still kind of believes her husband, right? That, that's kind mm-hmm. of the sense I get. And it's not, there's that like final scene between the two of them where she confronts him about the poisoning, which. I would guess is, is made up for the movie. That feels like it's kind of a, like a movie The poisoning of Who? or uh, when the scene where she talks to him and is like, did you poison me or whatever? Yeah, I don't think that it feels very movie ish, but I mean, it's still a good scene up until that point in the movie. She, yeah, she's, she clearly is giving him some of the benefit of the doubt. Um, and he still seems at least in the movie to like, clearly love her and like think what he's doing is ultimately a good thing. Maybe not fully understanding the scope of what he's, what he's accomplishing. Um, but yeah, their, their relationship is just very interesting how it's presented there.
0: Yeah. And how, I mean, because he, you know, he seems like he's indebted to his uncle. Mm-hmm. So he goes through with all these terrible things. Um, but like if he w- if you know if you took william k hale out of the picture who is ernest Burkhardt? and is it fair to judge him by that by that hypothetical or do you need to judge him by his literal actions
1: yeah um before i forget i remember this one part of the movie that is it it reminds me of in oppenheimer the quote are of you the- spoiling oppenheimer just it's, for it's, our it's, audience. It's like a quote from Oppenheimer. Okay. So I, I don't know. It's the quote where he's where the one guy's where they're like discussing where to drop the bombs, right? Okay, yeah. And, and the the one guy's like, well, don't drop it on Edo or where, whatever. Yeah. That, that's right. Honeymoon. Right. It reminded me of that in terms of tone and that it was funny, but also like really depressing. There there's the one scene of the the guy getting talking to his lawyer or whatever, and he was like, you know if I, if I had kids with an Osage woman oh, and theoretically yeah. uh, they died or whatever, would I get the money? And he's like, well, sir, it sounds like you're going to kill these kids or whatever. Yeah. It's like, no, it's <laughs> like, that was, that was a scene where it yes. was like, they got a, got a good chuckle from the There's audience, but they're also like, everyone's movie. like, oh my gosh. Some dark, dark humor. Yeah. It it, it yeah, which is kind of surprising. It is overall just a very sad movie, mm-hmm. but it does have some moments of of levity, which you kind of feel bad for thinking are funny. Yeah. I think almost like that scene. Um
0: just to clarify, I might have misspoke earlier. So you did not have to be Osage to inherit a head right mm-hmm. at the time of what they call the reign of terror, which is when all these murders are happening. Um, However, in the aftermath of the reign of terror, the Osage persuaded Congress to pass a law barring anyone who was not at least half Osage Mm, to inherit a head right. So in the aftermath of this, you couldn't. But while this is happening, yes, it all could funnel to Ernest after Molly died. And then, you know, then what happens to Ernest? Does Hale take out Ernest? Yeah, It's like this guy does not have have... Uh, You know, is he? Is it just the Dark Knight situation where the Joker's are taking out the other henchmen until you get to the top of the food chain?
1: Well, that's what it seems like to imply with that scene I mentioned earlier, where he's like, "You know, it's just a precaution. Sign this thing where I get all the money if you die, (laughs) or whatever." But yeah, I'm sure. I wouldn't be surprised. Even if he's a
0: cog of this, is he also a victim of it? And again, does that make him any less culpable? Yeah. Which there's you know, I feel I would feel for people passing judgment on on him and, and people who feel more empathetic towards him. And that's why again, I think the character is so fascinating. I think that's why it's such a good idea to put their relationship, Molly and Ernest, at the core of this movie. And mm-hmm. I think that's the the part that I think they just one hundred percent nailed. Yeah. Uh, which was would have been it was very difficult to pull off and they did. So awesome, awesome job on their behalf. Good job. Mm-hmm um otherwise holden uh well, you wanted to speak about the finale what what are the ending of this movie what did you like so much about how this movie wrapped up
1: so i mean obviously you have the trial and everything which is all very good you got brendan Fraser and john lithgow <laughs> that's right which i was i didn't know he was in this movie i thought that was funny Pet cemetery man it's <laughs> always what i even though he's more known for other things it's always what i think of um but no, the, so the movie ends at like a hard cut to, at like a radio present, like show presentation thing, and it's essentially like a verbal, um, presentation of like what often happens at the end of a lot of these like the true story picture movies. and the, the picture, text, the, yeah, that kind of thing. They're just talking, but I I think what I really like about it is it feels like it feels like to me Martin Scorsese talk like, kind of being self-aware and self-reflective about how like true crime usually is. It's kind of like a comparison almost where like you have this whole movie, which is very empathetic towards the the victims and everything. And then it's just cold cuts to this like radio show, which is presented in not, you know, not every true crime podcast or, or show or whatever, but in a similar vein where it's just like the facts and they're playing like sound effects and everything like, yeah. it, like it's a you know band or whatever in the background. It's very just cold and not really thinking about the events or everything. And I, I think that also ties into Martin Scorsese himself being in there too, where it's like, he he's aware that what he's doing, you know, isn't necessarily helping, but he's just trying to, I, I, I think he's trying to show that his movie or as at least, you know, being a bit more empathetic. He's like trying his best with the events given, but he's never going to be able to truly do the movie justice or the story justice. I forget. He
0: comes out and literally Martin Scorsese has a cameo where he says yeah. something. What was that? I forget what he's, he, he's his person said.
1: Uh, I was trying to remember exactly what it is. He says, um, it looks like sawn so here. It, I, he pretty much gives the details about Molly okay. afterwards, after like the events of the movie. Um, and it like, the The final line is literally something like talking about how the obituary just like, doesn't mention the murders at all or whatever. Mm. Um, so this I, event
0: was erased from history.
1: Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And so I, I just think there's I, the reason I like it is because it is so like bizarre. It's, it's a play on how these movies are often end, but there's like a lot of self-awareness and self-reflection there in regards to like true crime stories and stuff, I think. So it's not as hokey as, maybe that you know, radio show is usually, but yeah.
0: Nice. Anything else to say about Killers of the Flower Moon Holden? We've been talking about it for a good chunk of time now. I don't think so. Not necessarily. Um, very well done. Clearly going to be up for a lot of Oscars mm-hmm. uh, this year. Um,
1: I, uh, I guess question for you. I've seen a lot of mixed things online about oh, I. what do you think about Brendan Fraser for the limited time he has? I, I thought I he was know. good. I thought he was fine. Yeah. I didn't
0: I wasn't like he's very like I don't know, sly lawyer guy. Yeah, he's, he's kind of
1: over the top. I think what I think what people maybe don't like about him is he's very loud, very he, he yells a lot. I would say most of his lines are yelled or whatever, yeah. which could be seen as over the top, maybe chewing the scenery. But I also think that like he um He's just doing it. He's like, the character's doing it as like an intimidation tactic too. He's clearly like Leo DiCaprio. It didn't bother me. Yeah, I thought it was good. So other than that, I don't think there's really much else. Yeah, well, if it doesn't win Best Picture, who takes it down?
0: Uh, Be interesting to see. I don't know. Um, I I mean, I think Oppenheimer still has
1: a a shot. Um, I do too.
0: It'll be interesting to see how what audiences how audience has compared the two. Yeah. The the three hour plus historic epic. Yeah.
1: Currently those are the big two who knows, you know, you could throw Napoleon in there potentially, but I think those are, these are the two guaranteed heavyweights for uh, best picture alongside, I'm sure, you know, like a past lives and whatever. Yeah. Um, But these are the big, big movies that I think you're going to get nominated. And it's really hard, really hard to tell really what way people will go. Both are very good, so... Lily Gladstone's got to be...
0: I mean, she's a lock for a nomination. I would... If I had to put money on it today, I would say she wins an Oscar.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess... uh, Past Lives, that main actress in that is apparently very good. I haven't seen it myself. We haven't seen it yet, no. But aside from, like, those two, I don't really know who else... There aren't any, like, other obvious nominations, I don't think, necessarily. But there's plenty of time still in the season. And... When it comes down to it, awards are meaningless. And I, yeah, it is. <laughs> I but it's I fun to think speculate. As much as I, you know, loved Robert Downey Jr. and Oppenheimer, I think I'm probably a, a Robert De Niro in this movie, hmm. edging that out maybe. Both are once again. It's hard. <laughs> very, very close. Yeah. I did really like him in this movie, even though Robert De Niro probably has several Oscars under his belt.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right. That's Killers of the Flower Moon. Hold on. We're on to our last segment, which of course is. What are you doing?
1: What are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? All right. Uh, This week, Jimmy watched a couple movies last night. Actually, I watched um, Dawn of the dead, the Zack Snyder movie. Oh yeah. How I, was well, that? Well, so I was, I've, been trying to focus on watching some horror movies since it's October or whatever. I usually do that. And I was just flipping through Peacock and I saw it and I was like, Oh, you know, I I've heard good things about it and it is pretty good. It's probably my favorite Zack Snyder movie that I've seen from him. Um, I always forget James Gunn wrote the script for it. Really? Yeah. So hmm. Zack Snyder directed James Gunn wrote um, it. It is very well written. It's very, I think I did James Gunn. Oh, James Gunn. Sorry, I was thinking James Wan. Yeah, no, James Gunn. Um, yeah, no, he wrote it, but it's I think the thing I like most about it is it it's not totally cuz it's Zack Snyder's first movie that he did and it's like not totally embellishing in every Zack Snyder is yeah. yet. <laughs> there is a lot of s- a slow-mo, but I think the slow-mo is is very is punctuated really well in the action scenes and it's mostly just like people firing guns like there's like shots of ving rames as one of the main characters in the movie There's like shots of him pumping a shotgun shell coming out and i think it's it's very effective but the set pieces in it are very unique it's i think the movie as a whole is the whole concept if you're unfamiliar with even the original dawn of the dead this is the remake it's like people in a zombie apocalypse get like holed up in a mall or whatever and they're trying mm-hmm. to survive. It's a concept that I feel like has been done to death kind of at this point it, it, with zombie media. It's very iconic. I think probably because Dawn of the Dead is is such an iconic uh, movie. But the set pieces they get with it are so interesting. There's an escape sequence towards the end that is very harrowing. Um, all the performances in it are great. I think a lot of the, there aren't really too many there's like maybe one, but like annoying characters. There's so many in these like survival apocalypse movies. There's like a character that's annoying and just ends up dying for a stupid reason or whatever. Yeah. I don't think there's really that here. There's some annoying characters, but I feel like most of their motivations are understandable. Um, and yeah, and it has a pretty good ending too. So if you like zombie movies, I think it's well worth a watch. Nice. So, uh, and then the other big movie I watched this week is Possession. Uh, which I think is it's a I think it's a French and German movie but it's English language from like the 80s I often see it on like greatest horror movie lists um it's I can't remember the lead actress's name but Sam Neill is Sam Neill's in it yeah huh? he
0: is it's very bizarre because I feel like Jurassic Park yeah you know, people would recognize him
1: yeah I feel like it's one of his first big mo- or movies he was in and it's very disturbing. <laughs> what the
0: demons they move in herds (laughs) they do move in herds
1: it's a very disturbing movie but it's filmed in a really weird way it i like i mean this with all respect to those involved it kind of feels like it was made by a crazy person (laughs) (laughs) like like the it has some of the most like unnatural like weird camera movement and placement i've seen in a movie it it feels like the camera is like constantly moving and like not really giving you a chance to breathe. The characters kind of act very bizarrely and like in terms of how they're written. And at first it was kind of hard for me to get on board at first, but by the end it's like, it's so weird and gross and I was fully into it. Nice. Yeah. I recommend this movie if you haven't seen it. It has a very iconic scene in a subway where it's like, it's essentially like a long take of this woman just going crazy for like two minutes two three minutes straight. It's very good. It, that's, it's probably the best part of the movie. It's one of the most iconic. Did you say this was on a streaming service? I watched on shutter. Okay. Um, I feel like you can find it on others though. Like I said, it's, pr- it's one of those movies. I feel like at the time it didn't do particularly well, but it has quite a cult following now. So um, highly recommend that if you get the chance to see it other than that. Um, just been, I, I finished the Castlevania show. I feel like I might've said that last week. I've been starting up venture brothers again. Um, it's very funny. And, uh, I got Spider-Man. So, uh, been playing the new Spider-Man video game, Spider-Man two for PS five. Um, I'm liking it so far. I, I I'm very mixed on some of the, the gameplay combat things. I think I mentioned, I kind of mentioned some of it to you, but there's some more that I've kind of gone in. I've thought about, I don't know how much I want to get into if we end up reviewing it. I I think one of the things is like, it has a parry system now that I, and I'm just like, why is this here? It feels very unnecessary to me Hmm. and kind of just adding an unnecessary, uh, not not necessarily difficulty, but just another, another thing to like remember to do. Um, and I, there's also like, at least at the point I'm at, there's not that much stealth in this game, which kind of stinks. Cause I really liked the stealth parts of the other yeah. games. I feel like I've run into maybe one so far, huh. so I don't know if that'll change as we go, but that's kind of disappointing. Other than that though, it's, it's quite good so far.
0: Yeah, no, I, I have that. I got it too. I played the first couple hours of it. The opening is just incredible! It's they're so set, good. <laughs> Insomniac set piece of action. Like I didn't think anybody was going to be able to do it better than Naughty Dog, but I think they're at the level where they're they're doing it better than Naughty oh, Dog. Yeah. Um, again, I haven't played. I mean, of course, in the original Spider-Man uh, PS4 game, you had the scene with like the Fisk Towers and the crane. Yeah, And all that. That was just incredible to play through. It was and, very fun. Yeah, which was in like the demo of it. Um. In Spider-Man Miles Morales, which I haven't played for a long time, there's the part with one of the bridges that yes, I just that's remember right. being great. Well, in the,
1: the intro to that one has the chase with, with the rhino, rhino. Yeah, which is quite right.
0: good. And then here in the new one, um, I won't say anything about it, just let people play it and experience it, but I'm like, wow.
1: Very good. And just Did like
0: you-, you could not do this on a PlayStation 4 either with some of the things that happen and like characters and they're like, like <laughs> going halfway across New York in like two seconds. I can't,
1: I, I won't say anything other than like a single word, but I can't remember if you would have gotten to this point yet. Have you gotten to the boat part? No, I don't think Okay. So. That's uh, you're probably coming up to another very good set piece. Okay. So. Yeah. So I was like, this is
0: pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pretty amazing. The wing suit thing is great. That's so
1: fun. <laughs> like, I love
0: the wingsuit. Yeah. It's like that's I'm like oh yeah that's why Just Cause three made it hard to go back and play Just Cause two. <laughs> the wing suits are great and it, oh. like just as fun as
1: web swinging. All of the new traversal stuff I think is that's uh, that's the place I don't really have any critiques yet. I don't everything they've added is very fun. Yeah,
0: sweet, awesome. Um, I think uh, Emily and I watched a, like another half episode of the Killing Vote, but it was just a really busy week sure. for me, so I didn't see that. I'm trying to think. I. Finished the David Beckham documentary. I don't remember if I talked about that last week. But then I started the um, Limitless documentary with uh, oh, yeah, yeah. with Chris Hemsworth on Disney+. Plus, and I've watched about an episode and a half. It's pretty interesting so far. Um, and just learning about how the body works and trying to go against aging. Pretty entertaining. Um, so, yeah, I would check it out if that sounds interesting to you. Otherwise, I think that is it for me, Holman.
1: Sweet. I, yeah. Uh, in that case, next week, we're going to be doing Five Nights at Freddy's. So <laughs> very exciting for that. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's alongside, of course, Loki episode four and Gen V episode seven. seven. So penultimate episode of that. Very exciting. Uh, if you want to leave us a request, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or email us at toppodcast@gmail.com or donate to our Patreon. And I believe that's it.
0: All right. Sweet. We'll talk to you next week. In the meantime, Adios, bandolones.
1: Love you.